Lights, camera, action. Hello and welcome to another edition of Movie Madness in association with Spitballing Pod. I'm Luke Byron, joined as always by Tom Kennett and Keenan Bonner. No Sean Shoot this week. Uh, hopefully you've had a chance to check out the special episode we released with Chris Williams earlier this week. But today the match that we'll be getting stuck into is 2012's Ted versus 2004's Harold and Kumar go to White Castle. How's everyone doing? Yeah, excellent, sir. Got something a bit different today because, as we did say previously, could happen. We've done a sign of the times for 2004, and we've done it for 2012 as well. So, I've got what we did last time that we had a similar situation, and I've actually got what was showing in the cinema this month back in 2004 and 2012. So, if we go in order, if we start with Harrod and Kumar, go to White Castle or get the munchies, depending on where you are in the world is how the poster will be for you and we'll roll from there so synopsis as always a Korean American office worker and an Indian American stoner friend embark on a quest to satisfy their desire for White Castle burgers so this was way back in 2004 so what were we 10 11 ish yep I wouldn't even I don't think I would have been 10 yet when this came out well yeah because TK's a year before me I'm 93. I'm not, the end 93. of 94. I'm 94. And what are you, 94? The end, no, December 94. Ah, so yeah, same year, so. But I would have been a year older because I'm March. But there we go. That's not really helping anyone. <laughs> Two, <laughs> they know what school year we're in now. <laughs> <laughs> 2004, anyway. I suppose it could provide some context for some films that we do like. Yeah, definitely. And we did say that the bracket consisted of films that were around in our lifetime while well, never saying when we were born so that might help as well <laughs> anyway back in 2004 this was a big month um, I've got Spider-Man 2 which I think was the biggest of the franchise there because 2000 uh, well the third one was when it all went horribly wrong and they put Tobey Maguire in the can um, I was going to say the third, the third one they just axed it didn't they, they did. yeah because I saw some plans for what the next one was going to be. And yeah. essentially, the third one, despite making a load of money, everyone hated it. So they had like eight or nine villains that they were going to cram into one like three-hour film. Oh, Jesus. They had, they had um, John Malkovich as a villain cast. They had all sorts there. And uh, Sam Raimi, who was directing it, if I've pronounced that right, he essentially, yeah. they tried rushing it through because... They didn't want the kind of hype to die. And he wouldn't greenlight it because he said he needed more time. So they were like, right, if you're not going to work with us, that's it. And so they axed it. And so that's why we've had two more Spider-Men since then. All starting from scratch each time. I feel like Tobey Maguire, I feel like you've said this before, is Tobey Maguire not your favourite Spider-Man? He's my last, he's my least favourite. Oh yeah, I agree. I, I actually think it goes in reverse order, Maguire, Garfield. Holland. I actually quite liked Andrew Garfield, but then I do like Tom Holland as well. So, Tom Although we... most people do hate Andrew Garfield as Spider-Man, so there we go. 
we digress. What else was yeah. in the month of July? Summer blockbuster. One that we've that. spoken about before on standard spitballing pod. Clovo in the King Arthur. <laughs> What's a film? <laughs> you got him. You you've got, you've got, really. Yeah, you've got Ray Winston in there. You've got yep. Kira Knightley in there. All sorts. They say a very good film. Yeah, unreal. It's much better than the latest King Arthur, which I maintain is one of the worst films I've ever seen. Is that one with Charlie Hunnam? Yeah, and so I didn't where, see it just off the back of people saying it was awful. Yeah, where they just thought, well, if we put David Beckham in this, people might detract from the fact that it's a terrible film. <laughs> they even said that, see if you notice David Beckham. Well, they have about eight shots of him just while pulling the sword out of the stone. You see more oh, okay. of David Beckham than the sword coming out of the stone. <laughs> and it's just David Beckham grinning in the camera with a bit of dirt on his face. Like That's supposed to make him look older. I take it he doesn't say, he's not, not been given a speaking role, I imagine. I don't think so. They've just got him in there to look a bit rough and rugged. Yeah. Also, when we did last week, Anchorman is there. Anchorman, the legend of Ron Burgundy. You see what I mean? Could it be in a huge month? Yeah. Will Smith's iRobot. Oh, wow. The Born Supremacy. Yeah. Village, which I've referenced before with that phase of M. Night Shyamalan just doing trailers to real people in and then god-awful films and no one learnt their lesson. <laughs> and then finally, it's actually the anniversary, 16-year anniversary of Harold and Kumar Go to White Castle coming out. So we've got that there as well. Okay. So that at the end of this month would have been coming into the cinema. So there we go. Nice. It's not to say we did that on purpose, but... Yeah. Well, this is a a bit of a spoiler alert coming ahead, but Ted is also in the back in 2012 what would be in the cinema as well. So there you go. Okay. I'm surprised, I was quite surprised that both, maybe not Ted, because I think it was, they spent a lot more money on Ted, but surprised this made it into July because normally you get, especially back going back, you used to get your summer blockbusters in yeah. so you could get your video or your DVD out in time for Christmas when it when it took a lot longer to transfer. I guess with this, they're not really expecting it to compete with them. It's kind of, no. if you want to see it, go see it. Like, Ted wasn't meant to be, and it was pushed back because of uh, G.I. Joe coming out. No, sorry. G.I. Joe was meant to come out around this time, and then it got delayed. So they saw the opportunity and jumped straight in there. And that's Ooh. why Ted came out in July. Oh, fair enough. Yeah, critics' reviews then. So we've got one of the funniest films I've seen in years. This night is about the American dream, Kumar promises. And you know what? It sort of is. (laughs) For all its juvenile shortcomings, there's a sweet and beguiling charm to the film. A deserving modern classic, even if only for being so bold as to describe Katie Holmes' breast as being the exact opposite of the Holocaust. (laughs) Right. Um, they've, they've taken our best quotes there. Yeah. That, is, that <laughs> might be the clincher. Um, an over-the-top romp which rehashes lots of dumb drug jokes but breaks far enough away from the tried-and-true teen formula to earn a high mark even from this jaded critic. So, of all, of all the films we've done, right, <laughs> this, how, is yeah. this, how is this the one that's got the most resoundingly positive... Like, I like yeah. the film, but how to is be this fair, the one that's some of the, the bad mark? ones... They're all essentially the same review, so it just didn't make much sense to take oh, okay. them all down. I was going to say, like, I've got I, kind of a mix here. Okay. Yeah, I like Keenan said, I like the film, but I was expecting the, the critics to just be battering it. 
Yeah, some, some to go some up and back really for it again. I'll try and take the snappy ones. Some of them are just like, don't see this movie. So. <laughs> much as we can have that here, then it's not really doing much for us. I enjoyed that guy described himself as a jaded. <laughs> <laughs> That's a very honest appraisal of himself. Um, Harold and Kumar go to White Castle is the latest multicultural variant of the lowbrow buddy comedy in which the heroes just want to get high and laid. So there you go. <laughs> not all positive. It's what a stoner comedy should be. It's what a buddy comedy should be. Two for the price of one. Sure as hell ain't bad. The funniest thing I've seen in months. Months kind of takes away from a great review there. Yeah. <laughs> That's a very backhanded compliment. It's the funniest thing I've seen this week. <laughs> um... It's a delightful surprise that Harold and Kumar go to White Castle is so hilarious for pretty much all the reasons it should be predictably brainless. And finally, this is a smart person's fart movie. It's like an American Pie road trip. Those last two reviews are pretty spot on, actually. Yeah. <laughs> the thing, like, when you do lay out the premise, you think this should be just stupid. It is brilliant still. So, there's all sorts of trivia then. Um, which I can get into. First of all, you've both seen the movie before, haven't you? Yeah. Yeah, not for a long time, though. Because, um, like I said, it's probably the one I've seen the most in the whole bracket, so I've tried to be as straight down the line here as possible, but, and hopefully it comes out that way, but um, we'll see. <laughs> Trivia, anyway. It's, it's maybe different looking back, because... This movie, of all things, actually relaunched the career of Neil Patrick Harris, who then really? won the role of Barney Stinson on How I Met Your Mother. So he didn't have that role at this time. He was literally most known for being in Starship Troopers. I was struggling to work out the timeline. I couldn't remember when How I Met Your Mother started. Yeah, I assume it was Two, kind of a big deal. 2005, like, I think. Yeah, 2004 this is, and 2005 he wins Life the role of Barney form. Stinson. And he was actually the first one they go to, but in the credits it says that Neil Patrick Harris plays a character named Neil Patrick Harris. And it's filled because um, he wanted to make it very clear that this is a parody of himself and not actually how he is. <laughs> I think in the second one anyone. he calls himself a poonhound, so there you go. Oh, that's yeah, good. No one's under any illusions he's a poonhound, are they? <laughs> well, you get to the no, third one and they're saying that he pre- he's always just pretended to be gay and just as a ruse yeah. to get with girls. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, by the, t- by the time the second one comes out, well, I, I got to be honest, the first time I, did, I had no idea who Neil Patrick Harris was, but by the time the second one came out, I knew who he was. I knew that he was gay, so it makes it, it, makes it a little <laughs> bit funnier. And I assume that's, that's basically, that, that's the joke. Um, well, how it actually came about with him being cast is... Uh, the directors were just kind of fans of him in almost like a cult kind of way for no real reason other than (laughs) it was like a funny joke between them as mates that they liked him. And so he actually found out from like an internet blog that he was cast in a film as Neil Patrick Harris. And he phoned the directors, got their details, however, I don't know how this works in Hollywood, and said, I'm reading online that I'm actually in your script for the film, and they were like, we would like you to do it if possible. <laughs> so that's when he approved it and said, as long as he has um, kind of creative control as to what's too far for his character, 
obviously. I dread to think what he did think was too far. But, he's doing he's doing coke off a girl's ass at one point. So where's, <laughs> where's on your the line? roof of a moving car. <laughs> exactly. Look, he, he, had a, game, he had a career to revive. He was doing anything. <laughs> it's, it's nice to know if nothing else, Neil Patrick Harris is game for a laugh. Yeah. Well, it's, it's weird because when I see him, I don't like... Um, is it How I Met Your Mother? I said that, isn't it? Because I, I don't yeah, like yeah, the show. Yeah. I, I get that mixed up with Big Bang Theory because I dislike both of them. But <laughs> I I think of him predominantly as being the guy from Harold and Kumar. So when I then see him popping Gone Girl, all I can think of is his character being Harold and Kumar, who he then meets his end in Gone Girl. I feel like it's not really a spoiler. It's been out long enough. Like if someone ruins like the sixth sense for me now, I can't really have any arguments. <laughs> I feel like you can't know anything about the sixth sense without no. having been ruined for you. Um, the dust in the vent when um, Harold's in prison was made out of walnut powder, even though the crew had received a memo saying a cow pen is extremely allergic to nuts. <laughs> so production had to be shut down for a day after they shot the scenes with Kumar falling out of the vent because he had to go to the hospital. So the powder was then remade with chocolate powder for the next round of shooting, and um, they put this in the DVD commentary to explain. Wow. Hmm. We've actually okay. got cameos in both films from Ryan Reynolds today, so it's not quite a Ryan Reynolds derby, but it's one that he's got an interest in. <laughs> this is, this particularly, this is before he makes it makes it big, and, uh, really. This is uh, like... Um, the Nuri Shaheen derby when Arsenal played Liverpool, where it wasn't really a derby for that reason, but it was still a talking point on the day. Somebody yeah. was making it that reason. <laughs> Someone was going all out for it. So what, the reason he appears in this, so he obviously appears as a doctor in the hospital, and he wipes um, Calpen's brow at the end, and you can see they kind of make a meal of this. And it's because the opposite scenario happens in Van Wilder, Van Wilder. if either of you have seen that. So yeah, they're it's essentially one just right. recreating it the opposite way around is kind of a nod to anyone that's seen it. And if not, it's called Ryan Reynolds in the film. But if you have seen it, then you're kind of like nudging whoever's next to you in the cinema. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's, uh, it's when they're pumping, it's when they're pumping their dog. Um, yeah. in Van Wilder. <laughs> Baked good scene, they call it, to try and be a bit, uh, more friendly, I think. Blimey. So. They constantly refer to them as Penn and Cho here, which feels like I'm mates with them. So, I mean, Cal Penn and uh, John Cho made $75,000 each in the first film of the franchise. And um, Cal Penn said that after he got done with paying his agent, he was left with just over 22000 for the first film. Jeez. And he said the worst thing is when you've done a film like this where you're on the poster and... You, your, your friends know that it's not just kind of you're an extra or something like that. They all are saying to you, like, you must be rich after doing that now. You must be having a fortune. And you kind of have to explain each time, no, I'm, I'm really not. And have to downplay how cool the situation is then. See, I, uh, it makes sense that they didn't get paid a lot lot for it. But I would have, if, if I were to meet him, I would have assumed the exact same thing. Like what? because he's the star of the film, because they're the star of the film, they would have made something out of it. Well, it's one of them where um, you hear all the stories that everyone involved in the film just assumed it was going to do nothing, which is crazy for how many of the films that we've done, like 
on this list. Like there was loads of people involved with Anchorman who were like, "This isn't really going to be anything. It's just us having fun here." You see that with all the Adam Sandler ones, where it's like, "Look, we just make the film and we see what happens." And there's a lot that go into that when they say there was however however many millions. I've got the stats somewhere. I'll have to find it. But the millions go into it, and they're just kind of rolling the dice. Like, well, we'll see, see how it goes. Yeah. <laughs> but um, it's a, it's the same sorry. thing. Like to come back to it because I know we've we've referenced it since the interview. But it's like like JB said, it, this is the reason so many of these films are like that is because this is the time where people were willing to take a gamble. Because yeah. of th- because of things like American Pie and some of the others we've had on the list, people were willing just to take a gamble on a low budget comedy. Like if we can double, <laughs> if we can double our budget, if we can spend fourteen million and make twenty eight or thirty, they were happier then for just as a percentage of a return than an actual number is what it seems. Because yeah. now they now they'd rather now they'd rather spend two hundred million to make. 350 which isn't in terms of roi the percentage is less but because the actual monetary figure is higher it's deemed to be obviously it's more of a success hmm. but it's what, what what how what metric you use but it's, it certainly seems like early twos i don't know whether fucking hollywood was skint or not but everyone like everyone loved a low budget comedy if um anyone is listening to this and wondering i have contacted both harold and kumar <laughs> trying to get them on the podcast <laughs> They're yet to come on. I'm assuming that they just haven't seen the message because <laughs> I can't think of any other reason they wouldn't want to sit down and chat to us on uh, Skype. But there we go. If they are listening to this today, look, the offer's there. Promise you, you'll enjoy it. Yeah. Harold is supposed to be in his mid-twenties, but John Cho was 32 when this was released. He pulls it off. He's got a baby face, yeah. <laughs> um, John, what, so he's almost 50 now? Yeah, Gee. he just does serious films now, doesn't he? He's like actually quite like, and it sounds like quite condescending, but he is actually a good actor. <laughs> yeah, because I, I mean, you see with a lot of this kind of film where they just assume <laughs> they just kind of pluck the first two people that are willing to do the role and go on from there. Um, this one actually stung. So Cal Penn. Obviously, Stoner movie playing he's the more unrepentant Stoner of the two actually has zero interest in marijuana and has never tried it. Oh wow! Yeah. He really was acting. Yeah. Yeah. He's been convincing though. He plays the pot. <laughs> yeah. You wouldn't know. You know that between this one and the second one, he was working in Barack Obama's part of his office. Yeah. What the hell? Yeah, he was part of the media team, wasn't he? Yeah, he, took, he left his role to do the second one and then came back yeah, just was, so he couldn't say, well, this is happening. This was, um, that was quite big news. Then. I, I only was, knew who he was because of this. I watch it way back then, so I probably watched it probably sick form time. I probably watched this for the first time. Okay. Yeah, I remember, I, I remember him being part of that, even... Well, we must have been about 13 or so, and I remember seeing it, and I'd already seen this film. Yeah. Um, so I knew who he was. Well, so we got um, The producers wanted to play Queen's We Are the Champions as Harold and Kumar finally eat their White Castle burgers, but they couldn't clear the rights to do so. That would have been about... Yeah. And, oh, no, no. and it's one that's quite grim. So 
on the DVD special features, there's a chapter called The Art of the Fart in which they go how they may have went into the battleship scene. Essentially, they were looking for recordings of bowel movements and they couldn't find any that fitted what they wanted. So they hid in a truck stop bathroom with a boom mic to capture authentic bowel movements and then dub those onto the scene. So oh. someone was paid to do that as their job. Jesus. I'd, w- I'd want more than the 75 grand from <laughs> Cal Penn and John Cohen for it. <laughs> there you go, that's what goes into the making there. These are the kind of gems you don't pick up anywhere else. <laughs> if we if we go on to the categories then, so in terms of rewatchability for this, hour and a half, perfect rewatchability length. If even if you don't like the film, that's what you look for in kind of your rewatchability checklist. Oh, it's right up there in terms of easy watches, isn't it? From the films yeah. we've watched, not Judd Apatow style. I was going to say because people make obviously links with Pineapple Express, but this is, I think, is an easier follow than that as well. Yeah, there's much less story in this. Yeah, the, yeah, like, exactly. The, there's someone, there's one of the reviews says American Pie and Road Trip. This is you could just stick this on. And, well, yeah. This is what a stoner movie is supposed to be, and this is kind of as the reviews said, a more intelligent stoner movie, which sounds, I feel like, I, was, I don't know what one. word to use, but. I feel like an asshole just saying that. Yeah. <laughs> but, but the kind of references they have in there where they're making, they're playing up on like racial stereotypes and all sorts, they kind of just like winks down the camera. Yeah. Yeah. No, I get that. But if you, like, if you, like you say, as an easy watch, if you make the assumption, if you, like if I was making a stoner film, I would work on the assumption that the majority of people who are going to see it at home, even in the cinema, yeah. possibly. Are going to be high, then you make <laughs> then like you say you make any e- you make an easy film. Yeah, do you know what I mean? I, I've never done it, but I can't imagine the Da Vinci Code is a good watch when you're at your head. <laughs> <laughs> I think the beauty of this is if if expectations were low for it and the budget was, I think that does lend itself to a good stone movie as well. Yeah, I think that the from the Pineapple Express is you have more need to go a bit bigger and a bit grander because of who's involved. And also, if you've got the money to spend, A, why wouldn't you? Mm. Like, if someone said, here's 100 million, I know it's good if you can deliver it under budget, but if they give you, if they greenlight you for 100 mil, why not throw some stuff in that costs yeah, you a little yeah, bit yeah. more money and, and just spend the money? Whereas you can't, you can't particularly have a great set piece in this because if, like, if you wanted to blow some stuff up or whatever it might be, it's probably going to take a quarter of your budget and then you're, hey, you're banging if, trouble. If you give me an 80 million budget, I'll put a manager. I'm not only spending 20 because all I need is a right back. We're getting yeah. a new centre attacking yeah, yeah. we're getting a striker. And we're probably going yeah. over because we're paying in instalments here. <laughs> yeah, exactly, mate. And then you try I mean you you if you've got it, use it. You do exactly. like when Man United just bought number tens just constantly. <laughs> we don't need any more. It's like, look, he's there. We want Well one. they're still linked with uh, left wingers every other week. <laughs> <laughs> you think of all the places you don't need this. Well, every time I see him linked with Sancho, that's the first thing in my head. This is not what you need. <laughs> I thought I don't think I'm a... Uh, stands on your toes at all in saying this. I think you see the level of the budget with this film when with the hang glider scene. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I mean, if you haven't already, obviously, but <laughs> that know. is just when it well, quite literally, night and day is, you, is laid out for you. I actually quite like it like that when there's no pretense in it. You are quite literally like 
it's like winking at the audience saying, we know how bad this is. You know how bad yeah, this is. Yeah, absolutely. And it adds agreed. to how funny it is because they do it again. The I think we're going to speak about sequels when we do the second round. So if this goes through, then we can speak about it a bit more then. Mm. But They do the same with the cheater riding scene. Like I know, obviously, yeah. there's no... They, Nowadays, you could probably make that look perfect, but they make that look so bad. So they skydive yeah, yeah, yeah. out of a plane in the second one as well, and it's the exact same as like the hang gliding thing where yeah. it doesn't look realistic at all, but people obviously enjoyed it in the first one to then go and do it a second time. Yeah. I don't know about you, Luke, but with the uh, cheetah scene, were you reminded of on the usual podcast when we said, what animal do you think you could take in a fight? <laughs> and AJ said he thought he could take on a cheetah. <laughs> I was looking it's, at that thing thinking, I have never fancied someone less in a fight than AJ against a cheater. And I'm including cheater against Eubank in that. Yeah, it's not even the most ridiculous thing he said either. <laughs> we were all saying, like, I'll take on a fucking sheep or something. He's like, <laughs> I reckon I could take a cheater. Well, even, I wouldn't back myself against a cow. No. They got a chin there as well. Well, we had that on News of the Week the other week, the bloke that was killed by herd of cows. Yeah, exactly. So, you don't want smoke them. You definitely don't want with a cheater. If, if we go on to the quotes then, as we always do, I've tried to be a bit more reserved this week because I found myself previously, I mean, I've got seven pages of notes this week, but I usually have about 12 where I've seemingly got every quote from the film. You've got the film, yeah. <laughs> I do think this is one where they aren't so much one-liners that you take on their own. You do need the build-up for a lot of it. Yeah. I, not to skip ahead too much, I think the two films are polar opposites in that regard. I, th- I think, Ted, you can take standalone quotes and laugh at them. I think this yeah. is uh, more like what you're watching. There's a couple. There's a, There are a couple of standalone. Um, mm, yeah, yeah, not like saying there aren't any. But I, do, I do think you are right. So I'm just going through my notes and there's closer to paragraphs and sentences for some of them. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, this is giving a glimpse behind the curtain here, but even if it's a long one, I mean, all we really need to give is kind of the punchline and I'm sure people would rather hear the actors saying the line than us doing them. I don't Depends if Keenan's got his voice in him. I don't think I'm offending either of you in saying we don't perhaps have the most glamorous voices, but Keenan is a bit of a shapeshifter in that regard. So. <laughs> yeah. We're going back to Boston with Ted as well, so you never know. <laughs> <laughs> I was actually thinking that while watching it yesterday. Yeah, I'll tell you what, if you can do a voice of his uh, his girlfriend in that, if you can do Tammy Lynn, then <laughs> I might actually leave the pod. Day, I'm, pl- I'm pleased right. with my um, casting choices for this week as well, so you've got that to look forward to. Okay. I've gone all in this week. But TK, keep, keep, that, keep that question in your mind, and then when we come to it, because I've actually got one of her quotes written down, so <laughs> I might give it a punt. One. I don't think we're in the same situation as last week where we have an entire scene that we can't say like we had with a 40-year-old virgin. No. Tariq saying when he's in the prison, look at me, I'm fat, black, can't dance, I have two gay fathers, people have been messing with me my whole life. I learned a long time ago, there's no sense getting all riled up. In the end, universe tends to unfold as it should. Plus, I have a really large penis, which keeps me happy. I'm going to go straight to the top of my list. There's other ones, but it's it's just standing out to me because I think it's my favourite quote from the film. Uh, The things I'd eat out of her ass. Uh, That that statement is completely vulgar. Sorry, kids, we ain't going nowhere. Supposedly, Katie Holmes shows her titties in this movie. Is that all you Jews ever think about? Tits? Katie Holmes is a nice, respectable, wholesome girl. And I'm going to see her boobs. (laughs) The things I would eat out of her ass. You have no idea. 
That is a completely vulgar statement. So is I want to bang Britney Spears on the bathroom floor. But it's true. Touche. So is I want to bang Britney Spears on the bathroom floor. But it's true. <laughs> Doesn't he say he was like, hmm, and he kind of nods like, that yeah. is the perfect analogy for this situation. <laughs> um, just like talking to like shorter quotes, I do like when, he's, when they see Maria as they're walking out of the out of the, uh, the like the apartment, he says, are you going to talk to her or are you just going to be a big vagina with giant teeth? <laughs> in the, the scene that you just referenced with the Britney Spears line, even that scene starts with uh, him saying, sorry kids, we ain't going nowhere, we're going to watch the gift. Supposedly mm. Katie Holmes shows her titties in this movie. And he's like, is that all you think about his tits? And he says, Katie Holmes is a nice, nice, respectable, wholesome girl and I'm going to see her boobs. Nice to see uh, Finch get a rerun out here. It yeah. really is. Yeah, he, I haven't seen him in many things other than the American Pies. No. He was in a TV show called Scorpion. He's just got a good, friendly face that you can put into most roles. Yeah. I can't, I, can't, I don't know if this is what Keen was referencing. He was in like a show where he was playing a more straight character. And I only know it because I saw a review for it where they were saying he's like the worst actor they've ever seen. Because <laughs> he's... <laughs> Essentially, just Finch, just in this like series, <laughs> it just doesn't work. Him trying yeah. to be serious. Uh, Neil Patrick Harris, it probably helps with what we said before that what we know him as, and I imagine he's gone on to play a comedy character. If you don't know him as that before, but you see these quotes coming out of his mouth, him when he's in the car saying. Uh, Forget white card unless we get some pussy. And then the one that had me like rolling while I watched it again was uh, him saying, uh, "Let's go get some poontang, then we'll go to White Castle." And they said, "We've been craving burgers all night." Yeah, I've been craving burgers too. Fur burgers. Come on, dudes, let's pick up some trim at a strip club. The Dougal line always works on strip. That's crazy, dude. You know, we've been having a pretty crazy night too. We've just been driving around looking for White Castle, but we keep getting sidetracked. Yeah, dude, you fascinate me. Forget White Castle. Let's go get some pussy. Huh? It's a fucking sausage fest in here, bros. Let's get us some poontang. Then we'll go to White Castle. No, Neil, you don't understand. We've been craving these burgers all night. Yeah, I've been craving burgers too. Fur burgers. Come on, dudes. Let's pick up some trim at a strip club. The Doogie line always works on strippers. Lap dance. There's a uh, there's a gas station. I'm gonna see if we can get directions. Not, we don't need to. Hurry up, dudes! Hurry up! I'm losing wood. Do you know the bit that makes me laugh the most out of that scene every time is after he says the Doogie line always works on strippers. He, he just got, in a really high pitched voice. He just goes lap dance, <laughs> and it's just a, a lush way to finish it off. He says, "Hurry up, dudes! I'm losing wood." Like he's just sat there <laughs> with a chub on in the back. Yeah, <laughs> like he thinks he's going to maintain it all the way to this club. <laughs> Uh, Even just before that, he's gone. It's a fucking sausage fest in here, bro. Like, <laughs> you just got in a car. With him. It's like he's in a nightclub. Um, That's perfect. The the whole thing of meeting someone and you can tell they're completely like overall with who he is, and then yeah, yeah. realizing like this guy is not what we thought he was. Not what we hoped he was. <laughs> I've said before when. Um, have the premise about name dropping but it kind of is paramount to the story when I interviewed Chris Eubank Jr and oi, oi. for a moment <laughs> I was is. taken back that he wasn't a completely lovely bloke and he <laughs> was in fact just as he is on TV <laughs> which helped in the long run but 
for the time, I was a bit taken aback. Probably similar to how they are when NPH isn't lovely bloke either. <laughs> he says later in, in doesn't he, um, when he pays for their meals, he says it was 50 for the meal and 200 for the car. He says, what happened to the car? And he says, uh, I made some love stains in the back, you'll see. <laughs> so he brushes it off saying he has a dick move on my part. <laughs> that's why I'm paying for your food that's the compensation that he says that's equal. why I'm paying for your meal prick <laughs> I think the reason I love this film so much is because I feel it does resonate with me at the end when they say I want 30 sliders 5 french fries and 4 large cherry cokes Looks like you guys had some night, huh? I want 30 sliders, five french fries, and four large cherry Cokes. I want the same, except make mine diet Cokes. Chuck. Of all the drinks he wants cherry Cokes, the best drink ever made, and that is the crowning jewel on the film. He literally does every... He makes a lot of good decisions in this film, but cherry Coke is probably the worst of them. (laughs) No, it's, it's the best. I've actually got a cherry Coke as we record this to feel more authentic. I hope you spill it. Just really just, I nearly just did. Just so you don't have to drink it. I don't. I don't, I don't wish that upon for. anyone. I wouldn't wish that upon anyone. My one of my seven rings of hell would be my only drink being available to <laughs> cherry coke and Dr Pepper. Wow. We we referenced the Katie Holmes quote earlier, haven't we? Yeah. Oh, Katie Holmes tits. You know the Holocaust. Yo, dude, dude. How are Katie Holmes's tits? You know the Holocaust. Yeah. Picture the exact opposite of that. Nice. <laughs> Picture the opposite of that. <laughs> um, Anthony Anderson in his little pop-up role saying, uh, I've been a Burger Shack employee for the last three years. I can tell you now, <laughs> if you're craving white burger, the burger's here, just don't cut it. Let's come. <laughs> I mean, let, let me think about it. Now that I think about it, let's burn this motherfucker down. Come on, Pookie, let's burn this motherfucker down. <laughs> and he says, it's, it's probably wise that you're, you're not eating here tonight. Um, me and Pookie added a special ingredient. Uh, I'll give you a hint. It's semen. Wise choice. Because you guys might have wanted to stay away from my special sauce tonight. Me and Pookie, we added a secret ingredient. I'll give you a hint. It's semen. (laughs) It's semen. Animal semen. Uh, And then... (laughs) But then he starts roaring and he just goes, animal semen? Like, <laughs> this is a weird thought to have. This is really weird. But as I was watching it earlier today, I thought, if it's going to be semen, I'd rather it be animal. <laughs> that is a weird thought to have. <laughs> I know it's odd, but... Was, the two of them don't seem that put off by it being standard semen. And when he says animal, that's when they spin that's away. That's what I mean. Like, that is the line. That's now we got to drive. <laughs> that's where they get weird about it, is when he says animal semen. But I mean... If I'd have eaten it, say if I'd already have eaten the sauce and then he was like, oh, there's semen in it, I would be, uh, I'd be trying to be sick. And if he said it's animal semen, I, I, I'm not saying I could like swallow it, but I, nah, it wouldn't be as bad. You do know it's not one or the other. <laughs> no, I know, I know it's not compulsory. But if you had to, so if you had to. Like, <laughs> gun to my head, here's a shot. Here's, 20, here's a 25 mil shot, which you taking. <laughs> I'm not taking it off Dave, that's all I'm saying. <laughs> Um, we referenced the, the battleship scene. Hey, Clarissa, hmm? do you want to play battleships? Oh, my God. 
We haven't played that since back at camp. I know, I know, I know. Wait for it. <laughs> oh, hit. <laughs> Skag, you sank my destroyer. Which there was a review saying that um, that was the worst scene in movie history. So there you go. Wow. Whoever's in Are the background those... is just thinks the exact opposite. It's usually Keenan's dog. Whenever we say something, gives us a good reaction, and yeah. <laughs> we've just had a yell of no. What <laughs> saying? About that being the worst scene ever. So they really like that scene. Some enjoyment. It's a child this time instead of a dog. For <laughs> oh. the record, I've not let the kid watch Harold and Kuma. I'm not. Like <laughs> <laughs> when Harold says. Uh, Neil Patrick Harris stole my car tonight and the officer says NPH wouldn't do that alright let me see some ID <laughs> just as a, another quote um, when they just after they meet or uh, Kumar meets meets the two English birds uh, and he walks out to Harold and goes look you need to come with me there's two filthy pussies aching to get bone bites <laughs> and then Cindy Kim looks at him and he goes I mean there's uh, two lovely young ladies aching to get bone by us <laughs> hey it, it it may have been just late last night while I was watching. Is there an argument for Cindy Kim going in the Leslie Mann Hall of Fame? Yes, and the argument is no. <laughs> you can make the argument. You won't you win it. But I, I, think, I, think it well, I think it should be a yes. How late last so, night was this? Search your IMDb, I'm telling you. I th- are we not doing I thought we were doing it based on the character in the film, not what she looks we like. Are, I was going to say, we can't. I don't want to get blurred by it. I would have treated it for what she was in that film. And are, the you, is no. are you are you telling me that if the question's asked, and this is essentially what the LNHOF is meant to be, you don't even have the inner debate, it's just a straight no. No. I mean, you, you got to understand, that inner debate is happening a lot, so I don't know, but no, no. I didn't, it didn't cross my mind when watching Hey, it. I floated the idea. Than what I had to do. It's about as good. It's about a good an idea of you as you drinking cherry coke, sort of or not. A great idea then. Incorrect. <laughs> um, back to the quotes now that we've got that awful, awful exchange out of the way. Um, do you know as he gets out of the car to take to take a slush, um, and the bloke <laughs> just comes and gets right next to him. Why'd you pee right next to me when you like choose that bush? Or... Well, it's a good bush to pee on. Why are you peeing on it? Well, no one was here when I chose this bush. Oh, so you get to pee on it? No one else does? Huh? No, it's I just... It's your bush? You have a special bond with this bush? No, I just thought that... It You're would... the king of the forest! I'm sorry? What? You fucking tree hugger? Is it your special bush? Never mind, forget it. I really don't feel like getting stabbed tonight. <laughs> hey, it's an absolute phenomenal scene, but... When he st- after they start talking, he's like, "Why did you come in?" And, and they get so he goes, "Is this your bush? You the king of the forest?" <laughs> and he just shouts him. He goes, "Is this your special bush?" Uh, and Kumar's responsive. Do you know what? It's all right. I don't feel like getting stabbed tonight. Um, <laughs> it's meant. He says, "You fucking tree hugger. Is this your special bush?" <laughs> <laughs> and he says, "Nice pewed." <laughs> yeah. Um, freak show as he makes a as he makes his, his turn. He's like, "Oh, well, you go in the house, get yourself a drink." Boys like to go on inside, get yourself something to drink, wash up, fuck my wife, watch TV, anything you want. Me casa, me see casa. Yes. 
Just don't do anything the good Lord wouldn't do. Fuck my wife, watch TV. <laughs> uh, me, Casa, Sue, Casa. They, I, I need to get the uh, actor's name uh, plays Freak Show. I'll come to that afterwards, but essentially they approached him to play the role. He didn't He didn't audition for it. And yeah. so he had no clue what was going on. Christopher Maloney, his name is. And they were kind of like ribbing him and they said, look, We've got this character. We think you're the perfect person to do this. Um, you're going to play the ugliest human being to ever walk the face of the earth. <laughs> you would be perfect. <laughs> <laughs> and he then he then reads it. So uh... <laughs> imagine if they had done an audition process, just had a, a room of just the most hideous looking blokes. He's looking around, thinking, "What's going on here?" Um, when my, I think my favourite line that he gives is when they walk back in the house and he has the argument about whether he said he can fuck, fuck my wife. He just goes, <laughs> why don't we turn this into a foursome? Which is kit off and then goes, who wants the first reach around? <laughs> <laughs> I know it's childish, but it kills me every time. Agreed. This probably uh, falls into moments as well as quotes, but when, um, when Kumar's basically envisioning like he's falling in love with that bag of weed. <laughs> that, as, as great a scene as that is, the, the last bit of it, <laughs> he's pretending like he's like stressed from work and she's the wife, come over, he's like, bitch, don't have to make a fucking coffee, you fucking hornets. <laughs> I was so broke. i actually forgotten even about the scene and the in pieces. See, that's my, um, that's like my overriding, that and the cheater, like the two things I, and Neil Patrick I, I remembered the, the scene, but I, I couldn't remember that line. It was perfect. I remember him slapping the bag of weed. Um, so good. Just like, vividly. <laughs> there's, there's, there's so much in the film. The one that um, had me yesterday, and I'm just trying to... There we go. So um, when he's doing the interview at the start and they're kind of trying to introduce <laughs> who Kumar is, and he says, um, do you actually believe after the way you just behaved, I would even consider you? And he says, like, the only reason I'm applying there, and he said, but you have perfect MCAT scores. Just because you're hung like a moose doesn't mean you've got to do porn. <laughs> it's a great lesson for life. <laughs> I also, when he's speaking to his dad, I know it's only, it's only a little one, but it does crack, crack me up. It's when he speaks to his dad and he's like, oh, come on, dad. And he goes, daddy is not coming on anything. Um, <laughs> yeah. They just pan back to they pan back to Cal Pennant. And I don't know if that was improvised or if that was in the script, but they pan back to him and he looks like he's just trying his hardest not to piss himself. Um, <laughs> He's got the little uh, Sierra Henry sort of uh, <laughs> gift thing going on, hasn't he? Yeah. There's a couple of uh, throwaway ones. So the, the one where we just said about um, the near foursome scene where Kumar says, shotgun anus, gets me. <laughs> um, Harold saying, dude, we're so high right now. And Kumar saying, we're not low. There's just <laughs> just a little one. There's little <laughs> things throughout the film of like just saying the opposite. Of the yeah. It's brilliant. And as far as insults go, um, JD, the guy who works at the office, um, calling Harold Cockboy. <laughs> and I was back off Cockboy, what I said for him goes double for you. Is that Cockboy? <laughs> you just call me Cockboy. <laughs> You're just stalling because you, you can't think of a comeback. <laughs> the extreme guys crap me up because of all the stereotypes, they are perfect. One of them says... Uh, Let's go get some fucking Mountain Dew. Which is, <laughs> yeah. I imagine is the equivalent, if that was filmed today, it would be let's go get a fucking monster. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that's just perfect. 
they they are the most annoying part of the film to me. They do like you job. Yeah, I know. You, I know they do. And as you say, it's a perfect stereotype. But like, I was, as I was watching it earlier, every every scene that they're in, I was close just to binning off. <laughs> what about them doing the extreme canoeing? <laughs> that was. I was just about to say <laughs> that that's, the, that's the except see. that's the exception that proves the rule because that's that's the only bit that, that, that I can <laughs> keep. Pieces. Well, you know, um, Cal Penn when they steal the car, he does the uh, "Thank you, come again" after he's had it said to him yeah. earlier in the film. He actually goes on to take part in a documentary about why the character of Apu needs to be removed from TV because it's a harmful stereotype and all of this. So looking back, he probably wouldn't have said the line. No, it's... don't know what. Don't I wonder if he feels differently as time goes on, as most as a lot of people did. Because obviously in two thousand and four, yeah. there was no cause for for it to for Apu to be removed or. If or not to, I hope this is the second option isn't the case, but maybe money meant more to him than his principles in 2004 when you ain't got any. Yeah. It's easier yeah. to take not when being rich, not being yeah. rude. Yeah, when, when you've got money and you don't need to and you don't need to work necessarily, it's a lot easier to take a stance on something. Yeah, like a lot of things though, in a, in a fairly gentle way, it is kind of attacking the, the stereotype, isn't it? So they are yeah. kind of doing something for it. Well, it's like it's like the the. The police brutality would be the the whole thing with the police would yeah. be if it wasn't so outlandish and like wasn't so obviously meant to meant to just be shouting, look at how fucking stupid the police officers are. <laughs> it could probably be taken in the wrong way um, with all the rate like the racism and the stereotypes that the, the police throw in, but it's just yeah. that far right there. The yeah, they make it so extreme it's clear, isn't it? That yeah, one of the that idea. One of the yeah. police officers quotes is, uh, "Bullets, my only weakness. How did you know?" <laughs> <laughs> that is actually a genius line. <laughs> As he runs up the stairs, and he, the weird bit about that scene is not that he turns in, it turns into his fantasy land, but is that he randomly just he, at the end he's just dressed as Zorro. He <laughs> <laughs> comes in looking a bit Tony Montana-ish, and then he ends looking like Zorro. <laughs> kind of with what you said about um, that scene of his uh, dream, would it be in as much of a moment, but. When they're looking at uh, Goldstein and Rosenberg in the hot dog heaven, saying, I-, "I want that," saying, "I want that feeling, that feeling that comes over a man when he gets exactly what he desires." I need that feeling. Oh, it's quite, perfect. That's I essentially like the, the old school cartoon high five of "Let's do this." Yeah, yeah. But it's also you could have had that. You, like, it's a condensed version of that. You could have just put that under the poster. Because that's essentially what the film is, isn't it? Yes. It, it, it is. I don't know what 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 it is, but that's that's all the film is. Just let's go and get let's go and get what we yeah. we've been craving. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Is there any particular food that you would travel that distance for? And if you think to put it in context, you haven't had it for that long. That's it, isn't it? Yeah. It's... Yeah, there's actually one. I can't. I know where the restaurant is, but I don't know what it's called. It's in Spain. Um, <laughs> me, I, I was there in August, man. I promise you, I had the best steak of my life. It was the. It's the best meal I've ever eaten. And yeah, I'd fly back to Spain for it, specifically for that steak. You said about Spain. This whole film is how I felt on race week, walking from the race course to Five Guys. So considerably <laughs> less of a journey. Like I, obviously, I, I'm not just talking. Get off the plane, drive to the restaurant, <laughs> eat. Like, but I mean, I'd go back to that town in Spain to have a holiday 
as long as that restaurant was open <laughs> so I could eat there once during the holiday. <laughs> I haven't got money. I haven't got sort of the bags that we would be needed just to rent a plane just to get across and, and not back <laughs> in the day. TK, anything particular for you? I'm struggling to think. Yeah, there's... there's... It takes you. It depends on your mood, doesn't it? Hey, the old school go Perry Burger. Yeah, I I I think I'd feel like trash if I did that for a go Perry. I feel like (laughs) the old school one. The old school one was. That is true. Yeah, I would. Yeah, I'd walk over hot coals to get that burger back. So yeah, okay, I'll do this for sure. That melty cheese with a burger sauce. The thickness of it. No, I've, I've said that with two C's as well. Not CK, <laughs> two C's, a thick burger. Do we have any other quotes before we continue? No, that was that was fairly exhaustive, mate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Your opening line was, yeah, I've tried to be a bit more refined, but that, it just goes out the window. We might as well just leave to it me, into it. I do love the film that much that I did feel I was being quite reserved when I wrote these quotes down, so there okay. we go. Um on to kind of the, the moments and scene, we've mentioned a few. One which JB, I think, actually referenced when we did the interview was the weed advert in Harold and Kumar. <laughs> hey, man, what are you doing? I'm so high. <laughs> Nothing can hurt me. <laughs> no. <laughs> Marijuana kills. I love that shit. We're so high right now. We're not low. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The warning was, I'm so high right now, it puts the shotgun in his mouth. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's incredible. <laughs> My other contenders would be, I think three contenders would be the weed out of the, um, finally getting the White Castle because it is great at the end of this kind of film when you do get the kind of gold at the end of the rainbow. I know we're going to come to it, but just so just not, I know we'll do it comparatively, but just quickly, do you not think this is one of the best endings? Yeah, this I, is one I, of the best endings in the bracket. Yeah, I think it's I would agree. Perfect. So my only other scene suggestion would be when they've just stolen the car from the extreme guys and they put the cassette in and you've got total eclipse of the heart. Then they sing uh, Hold On by Wilson Phillips, which has been a staple in my Spotify ever since I rewatched it <laughs> ages ago. And having a um, little sing-along to it is perfect. Yeah, Wilson, Wilson Phillips' carpool karaoke is down. So for me, it would be MPH's introduction. Yeah. As, <laughs> as, as top, yeah, may, maybe as, as a top scene. Um, the, pre, the, the, or the whole thing where they meet the copper and they go, go to prison. Um, and also the that bit where, as they say, where they get out of the car, he, he has a, the bloke has a piss next to Kumar. They come back <laughs> in, and the raccoon attacks him, uh, and then they go, go and the raccoon attacks him up to the point where he, fr- where he just goes fuck off, raccoon, and throws it out the window. <laughs> yeah, they don't really revisit the fact that he has been bitten by a raccoon, even if he has found out he doesn't have rabies. You probably wouldn't then be continuing to travel all those no. miles for a burger. <laughs> No, I'd probably like, right, this, this is well, really done, here. To the cause. I mean, yeah, you're, you're saying that a cheater does then appear, so it's, uh, <laughs> if you want, if you want things that are unexplained. <laughs> I've, I've watched them backwards, so I've watched, um, Harold and Kumar escape from Guantanamo Bay on 
Monday, so they kind of blended into one when I'm putting the two and two together, so that explains a lot there. <laughs> what would be your number one scene, TK? Yeah, I think Keenan's got a shout with NPH's introduction. I, I do think the uh, the Bar from Battleships scene is a genuinely great scene. <laughs> it is, it's crude, but it is hilarious. Um, and yeah, I, I do think even though it's very small, him envisaging his life with this bag of weed. <laughs> my, I, I think the prison scene, the uh, scene where all the police and stuff, I think is maybe the yeah. one that sticks with me the most. But I do think that little daydream scene might be my favourite. So I've got, I had that written down as well, but I've got, I think, and I, pro- I just edged it out, but that is mint, just for like the, the little 90 seconds, it is so funny. <laughs> can we oh, cast, we, a, we, just quickly, sorry, I was just going to say, yeah. because it makes a return in the second one, can we cast a bag of weed as a side character? <laughs> <laughs> you can do if you, if, if you want to. <laughs> I was going to credit the, the director, he's actually, um, died Danny Lena the director at 57 years old but Jeez. his kind of <clears throat> catalogue of films so he did Harold and Kumar go to White Castle he did uh, Dude Where's My Car he did an episode of The Sopranos he's, he's done all sorts he even did that um, remember that Balls Out film where Sean William Scott they were trying to bring him back yeah yeah, yeah. he directed that tennis coach? yeah so he essentially directed all sorts of these just completely ridiculous films. But he's done well there. But I don't know how he died, because I actually went where I was going to message him and then I explained why he didn't have an Instagram account. Jeez. So there we go. But anyway, don't mean to be too negative there, but I thought we should at least give his uh, name a mention. Best side character. Can it be anyone other than NPH really is the winner? No. No, and there are some decent little appearances in this, but he obviously is the he's the best side character, isn't he? Is he in too much to be in the Rex Ryan Hall of Fame? Yes, yes, for sure. Is would you put Ryan Reynolds cameo in the Rex Ryan? Hall of Fame? I think that's a valid shout. I was thinking that myself. If I give it a little uh, highlight on my notes, we can revisit it at the end when we do the points to consider. So there's that. And we've shouted down Cindy Kim for the Leslie Mann Hall of Fame. <laughs> we'll do the soundtrack comparison when we do the two films together and we'll do the chemistry in that as well. So if we move on to Ted then, so a lot to get into still there. Um, synopsis, John Bennett, a man whose childhood wish of bringing his teddy bear to life came true, now must decide between keeping the relationship with the bear or his girlfriend, Laurie. So back in 2012, then, in the cinema in July, you had The Amazing Spider-Man, so you've got the comparison there. Katy Perry's Part of Me, so there you go. I I didn't see that. I'm not sure if any of you did. It was like a documentary of her on tour. I remember seeing a clip of her... Katy Perry mania. I remember seeing a clip of her with no makeup on and like hair out and stuff. I think, oh my God, everything's a lie. That's what a marriage to Russell Brand does to you. <laughs> um, the film Savages, which I don't know if any of you ever saw, is a good little uh, hour and a half film there. Joey Saldana? No, it's um, Blake Lively, an open relationship with... can't think of the two blokes are, and then they get in trouble with the Mexican cartel. So, there you go. Hmm. 
Um, Dark Knight Rises. The Watch, I thought it was worth a mention. Actually an enjoyable little Vince Vaughn film. I don't know if you've seen it, Keen, and I'm pretty sure I went to the cinema with TK to watch it. I believe so, yeah. Ben Stiller. And it's got oh, the guy from the yeah, AT yeah, crowd yeah. as well. They yeah, find yeah which are Iowali, it's the aliens, yeah. yeah. It turns out that you, the way you beat the aliens is by whacking them in the bollocks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's not a bad watch, actually. And um, the remake of Total Recall with um, Colin Farrell came out in this month as well. So there you go. Sheesh. Critics' reviews, then. The movie's ability to alternately shock and amuse with graphic, gross, and genuinely hilarious gaggery is not to be underestimated. A bold, raucous comedy that takes no prisoners and shows no mercy, emerging as something both hilarious and yet strangely touching, sustaining its rollicking energy for its entire running time. McFarlane's film debut is a winning combination of humour and heart, of crude jokes and genuine wit. This one I actually did, did agree with. It is a film that seems to have an endless middle. <laughs> Which I read and I was like, that is actually very true. <laughs> um, <laughs> soulless, angry, white guy comedy is worse. This is a smug and nasty little number. <laughs> smug and nasty. <laughs> <laughs> Look at the person there. It's a nasty yeah. little number this is. <laughs> Nasty piece of work. <laughs> I was expecting something more than repetitive jokes, incessant pop culture references, and rampant misogyny. Probably shouldn't have gone to watch a second following film. Yeah, bad news. You, you can't have seen anything else he's ever done. <laughs> yeah. Um, this one, I laugh but doesn't lie. I love Ted and I found it irresistibly funny and hugely enjoyable. Everything about this film feels like a pretty good reworking of The Family Guy. Unfortunately, the last quarter of the film forgets it's a comedy. One we have almost every week. The one-note joke plays out longer and better than you might expect, at least for a while, but not forever. (laughs) And the last one. There are jokes that are funny only because a stuffed bear says them. Jokes that are not funny, even though a stuffed bear says them and jokes that may or may not be funny because of Mark Wahlberg. Mila Kunis is also in the movie, but she can't be funny because she's a girl and her job is to be amused, tolerant, and pretty. That was in the New York Times, if you mind it. <laughs> but it does get it does pin her down in this film to an absolute T, which is, whatever your opinion of it, that is essentially her job. <laughs> no disrespect to a lot of the women in the films we've had, though. That is the case. The woman has to put up with some... <laughs> bloke who's just ridiculous yeah <laughs> except for that's my boy where she turns out to be a complete psycho who's fucking her brother <laughs> there we go that's time that's genius that's character depth for you <laughs> <laughs> um <clears throat> trivia then Ted mentions 9-11 Mark Wahlberg and Seth MacFarlane narrowly missed being on American Airlines Flight 11 one of the planes that hit the World Trade Center on September the 11th 2001 Wahlberg was booked on the flight but decided to drive to New York City and fly to California later. That's when you're rich, when you book a flight and just decide not to take it. Seth MacFarlane arrived at the gate 10 minutes late and was not allowed to board. He was sitting in the airport when he saw that his plane had hit the World Trade Center's North Tower. Jeez. Add that to your conspiracy theorist list. Maybe those two run on it. (laughs) Um, 
James Bond producer Barbara Broccoli, great name, traditionally <laughs> never allowed any James Bond themes to be used in other movies. But Seth MacFarlane wrote her a letter asking permission to use All Time High from Octopussy, claiming it was his mother's favourite song. Broccoli made a rare exception to her rule, hence John gets to slaughter the tune and the performance in the front of a dismayed crowd. <laughs> this was shipped to theatres under the title Thunder Buddies. One of the rare ones where I don't actually mind the alternate title. I think Ted... Don't... Does it pretty perfectly there? It does, yeah. It's not as good, but some of the other ones, like I think of the, oh, I think of that's my boy, um, and the alternate titles for that and Project X and stuff, where they were just going to mm. name it after or yeah. American Pie, where they yeah, going to say the American Pie films. was crazy. <laughs> that that's probably <clears throat> the best of a bad bunch. Yeah, um, Mark Wahlberg agreed to appear in a Seth in a Seth MacFarlane movie after seeing a caricature of himself on Family Guy in 1999. That says an awful lot, that does. Yeah. Um, Seth MacFarlane originally planned for this to be an animated TV series in line with his hits Family Guy and American Dad. Several members of the main voice cast from Family Guy had parts in this movie. Seth MacFarlane voices Peter, Stewie and Brian. Alex Borstein, who plays John's mum, provides the voice of Lois. Mila Kunis, who plays Laurie, is the voice of Meg. The only main Griffin family member not to appear in the movie his friend of the pod, Seth Green, who voices yep. Chris. Oh boy, shame they couldn't show, show on him then. Yep. <laughs> in a flashback to 2008, John says, Chris Brown can do no wrong. In 2009, <laughs> Brown was arrested after physically assaulting Rihanna. <laughs> um, a portrait of Chinese dictator Chairman Mao hangs on the wall of Ming's apartment. There's That's a rough gig. <laughs> yeah, bloody hell. Um, Matthew Jones, son of Sam Jones, hated the film because of the way his dad was portrayed as a crazy drug-fueled party animal, since Sam Jones in real life has had a history of drug abuse. He's a, he's a big says, boy to the role. Yeah. Ted says Jared looks like Van Wilder. Van, Ryan Reynolds then appears later in the film. John Bennett was originally supposed to be crying while screaming for, Craig, screaming for Ted when he died at the climax of the film. Seth MacFarlane cut the scene because he felt it was too depressing. Probably a wise decision. <laughs> I wish we could have seen Mark Wahlberg <laughs> screaming and crying like that. <laughs> crying in a Boston accent. <laughs> Rewatchability then. First one of the categories. What do you think to this? Uh... It's an hour and 47 minutes, I believe. It, is, it feels every minute. When I was watching it earlier, it felt every minute of an hour and 47. It's, it's that review, isn't it? Where it says, on the <laughs> middle. It's yeah. literally spot on. Like, there is, like, I, I know, like, both literally an hour of the film would be the middle, but it feels exactly like that. You're not, you're not really yeah. going, you're not going too far in that hour. Um, and you're just waiting for, you're, you're waiting for that joke or that, that punchline. Yeah. It says a lot about the reviews that we maybe see one or two a week where we're like, well, I actually do agree with that one. <laughs> of all the hundreds yeah. that are submitted for each film and the people that are paid to do so. Yeah, true. Um, in terms of quotes then, this could be another long, long one here. I've been a bit less generous with uh, the amount I've taken down. 
The one that stuck with me was uh, when Ted's being carried in the bag. So they had a fat kid, but it's hilarious. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Let me out of here, you crazy bastard! Let me. Oh, oh, I hear the fat kid running. I hear the fat kid running. I bet it's hilarious. Uh, um, Patrick cool. Warburton, or John, John, when he's speaking to Patrick Warburton, and he's like, uh, are you, Do you think you're part of one of those gay beat up clubs? You know, those clubs where gay guys don't <laughs> get beat, beaten up? And then when they're talking about giving her a ring, and she's like, and he, he just says, uh, you can put a ring in her ass and let her fart it out. <laughs> so he says, in, when he says, do you think she's going to be expecting something special? And Ted says, what, like, ain't it? Yeah. <laughs> what um, stood out for me was um, Laurie saying, there's a shit on my floor in the corner. There's a shit. He's like, we were playing Truth or Dare, and uh, Charlene was pretty ballsy. This place is a wreck. Who are these girls? Oh, my God. where are my manners? Laurie, this is Angelique, Heavenly, Shireen, and Sauvignon Blanc. I love you girls. You know, somewhere out there are four terrible fathers I wish I could thank for this great night. What is that? What? What is what? There is a... a shit on my floor. In the corner, there is a shit! Oh, yeah. Yeah, we were playing Truth or Dare, and uh, Shireen's pretty ballsy. There is a shit on my floor! Well, or, or is the floor on the shit, is what Kierkegaard would say. <laughs> when he says, or, or, or is the floor on the shit? <laughs> uh, I quite like when Ted's in a suit, and he's walking to a job interview, and John's like, no, you look, you look good. Like, you look good, and he says, I look like something you give your kid when grandma died. <laughs> I think my favourite of the film, and what I hadn't uh, remembered, was after they've kind of had their breakup chat in the coffee shop or whatever, and Laurie says, can I give you a ride home? And he says, no thanks, I walk. I might get raped, but if I do, I know it's my fault because of what I'm wearing. Yeah. <laughs> um, Ted, in his, in his interview, when he says, I'll tell you what I've got, you ice pussy on my breath. So you think you got what it takes? I'll tell you what I got. Your wife's pussy on my breath. Nobody's ever talked to me like that before. That's because everyone's mouth is usually full of your wife's box. You're hired. Shit. <laughs> he, he, he says, uh, no one has ever talked to me like that. He goes, yeah, it's because their mouth is usually full of your wife's box. <laughs> <laughs> that and then the other interaction he has with that boss where he gets to promotion are two genius scenes. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, the I, interview I, at the start, sorry, where he speaks to the boss and he says, uh, John, it's almost 10 o'clock. And he's like, I know, sir, I'm sorry, it wasn't my fault. <laughs> I wasn't really prepared for a follow up question. <laughs> um, the one, the tea cases where he goes back in and he's like, oh, I fucked up with a parsnip last week uh, and I sold it to a family <laughs> with four small children. <laughs> You're referencing the. Sorry. Sorry, you referenced the shit on the floor. <laughs> yeah. When he's talking through it with Mark Wahlberg, and Ted's like, hey, look, that was a tough night for us all. <laughs> <laughs> How's Mark Wahlberg greenlighting a quote where it says, well, all I'm saying is that Boston women are on the whole a paler, uglier sort of women than housewares alike. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then he says, no, what about Laurie? Laurie's like, he's like, no, she's from Philadelphia. And then he goes on to go, have you ever heard of having or- orgasm? Um <laughs> 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 the guy well, I think his name is Guy the guy who gets uh, beat up he says uh, 
my longest relationship was like six months and then she farted in her sleep and I'm like, I'm out of here, man. And I was gone before she woke up. <laughs> Keenan, you promised us you had a Tammy Lynn quote you were going to perform. Yeah, sorry, I've just got to find it. I'll give it, I can give it a while. What are your editing skills like? <laughs> might, the reason you, I'm up till about midnight each time doing it. That's fine, because you might just have to chop me out and then put, put her actually over it. <laughs> Uh, let me just find it. When uh, when the kid comes up to Mark Wahlberg and goes, uh, stand up straight when you talk to me. <laughs> <laughs> Why the fuck would he say that? <laughs> At the same time, do you know when he says, I don't know why it makes me laugh so much, but he goes, uh, oh, I loved you since you were on the, the Ed Carson show. And Ted's like, yeah, it was weird. Ed, Ed thought I was elf. He kept, he kept muttering anti-Semitic comments. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I don't. I don't. I think think the the build the hype's too much. I don't think I've got this in the locker. I'm just reading it now. But it is when she says, "Oh fuck you," just because you're on the business world and shit. You think what? Everybody should suck your asshole or something. <laughs> Did you just call me a whore? What? You just worry about your own snatch. How about that, honey? Whoa! Whoa! Hey, whoa. What the hell whoa, happened? We're having a friendly yeah, meal this here. This was a, a nice evening. Time. Don't talk shit to me. I just asked you a question. You know you're a freaking snob. You think you're all cool because you work at some fucking fancy shit place? Okay, Whatever. Okay, take it easy. Nice, Laurie. Real nice. M- me? It's not my fault she can't speak English. Oh, fuck you. Just because you're on the business world and shit, you think, what, everybody should, like, suck your asshole or something? Okay, all right. <laughs> well, Tammy, come on, honey, let's get out of here. We'll go back to my place for a couple of vodka and strawberry quicks, you all right? You know come what? On. I gave birth once, bitch. I could kick your fucking ass, and you better never show your face around Quincy. Okay, you hear okay, me? come Emma. on. Uh, <laughs> and then she goes on to say, you know what? I gave birth once, bitch. I can kick your yeah. fucking ass. And you better never show, show your face around Quincy. You hear me? Ever. I love that because that's such a classic thing of like when someone's threatening at someone in a film. Yeah. Don't ever show your face around here. <laughs> um, Did you yeah. say you worry about your own snatch as well? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Rex where he's saying, uh, you suck, get off the stage and then changing your voice going, no, go on, give him a chance. <laughs> um, so she, what, give it a whirl when she, and he says, you know, you're a freaking snob. You think you're all cool because you work in some fucking fancy shit place? Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I actually was more impressed with that than I thought I was going to be. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. It works. I like Ted speaking about his drug dealer each time. The first time John says, I don't know you want to go to a drug dealer with complaints. I've known this guy a long time. I've known this since 9-11. You know? I was like, oh shit, 9-11, i got to get home. <laughs> <laughs> and the other time was, uh, he says, uh, what is this? And he's like, it's called Mind Rape. It's actually pretty mellow. <laughs> yeah. It says he only had three other batches. Gorilla Panic. They're coming. They're coming. And something called This Is Permanent. <laughs> I know it's all it's awful now, but it did make me. It still makes me laugh earlier. But when they talk, you said about uh, him having Chairman Mao on Ming's apartment. But when Ming walks into it, well, after Sam Jones goes through the war, um, when he does, like I've been in this, I've been in this country a long time. You, you pay many. I feel bad even reading it, let alone doing the accent. It's so bad. You pay, you pay don't many, do the many. No, I'm not going to. Don't worry. But like, even just reading it, you just know it's awful. You pay many, many dollars for the war. Um, <laughs> oh god, uh, it's weird that they've just randomly called the duck James Franco as well. <laughs> Ted introducing uh, the hookers, saying where my man is. Lord, this is Angelique, Heavenly, Shireen, and Sauvignon Blanc. I love you, girl. You know, somewhere out there are four terrible fathers that wish I could thank for this great night. 
Do you know when they when they talk like because nine nine eleven? I don't know why they referenced in this film more than once when they're talking to Nora Jones, um, and he's yeah. like, like, "Who'd have thought I'd be here with a half like with a half Muslim chick?" And he's like, "Oh, I'm half Indian." And he just goes, yeah, "Ted just goes, hey, whatever, thanks for nine eleven." Here's the thing. This is Lance Armstrong's nuts. I had it freeze-dried and bronzed every now and then when life's getting me down and things are tough, I come up here and look at that. Oh, if things aren't so bad. <laughs> That's when John wishes uh, Lou Gehrig's disease on him. <laughs> That's a great little scene. Which they protested when it came out. The foundation for Lou Gehrig's disease said it was distasteful, as if they didn't watch the rest of the film. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like you are right, they didn't watch it. Like if that's your course, that's probably that's the bit you're always going to care about, right? Yeah, <laughs> but you've either got to be outraged with it all or none of it. I think. No, I don't know. There's other words you're essentially saying. Don't worry. offend other people. Fine, just don't offend me. Isn't that that, what, that is what everyone's always saying, isn't it? I was, I was just going to say that. Well, they argue that literally about it. South Park every every time they get a complaint. <laughs> Okay, so you don't like us making fun of gingers, but you're fine with us making fun of Jews, gays. There's actually, there's <laughs> actually a scene in South Park in one of the latest series. You know when Mr. Garrison's running for president? Yeah. And they say to him, look... Like, a giant's head. Yeah, that's it. But they say to him, as he's, when he's trying to lose the race, they say to him, look, you're not doing great with women voters. Just watch what you say. And then he starts talking about, he starts talking about like a finger in the ass and stuff. And he's like, hey, you've got to watch it because it's close. And then like a woman gets up and walks away. And even then, he says, "Oh, right. So you were fine. I just, that this is where your line is. You were fine with everything else I've said. You're fine with me trying to fuck all the immigrants to death. <laughs> this, this here, this here is the bit you get aff- you're offended at. And that's that. Like, I, I'm not saying it's good, bad, but if you're going to do it, you might as well be. You might as well be indiscriminate. Like, yeah. This is this is yeah. the, this is the, the solace, almost the saving grace of this film. And all and Harold and Kumar is like with the stereotypes. It go big." But if you just if you just batter everyone, then you you can get away. You you'll always get a, a lighter ride than if you just pick one group and, yeah. and fire at them. Because if you yeah, like South Park, they get a complaint. But like you say, they've got the defense of like, yeah. come on, look at what we've done. We have we have been at everyone. Oh, I, mean, I think the most complaints they've had was when they had um, the ghost of Steve Irwin with a stingray sort of attached to it. <laughs> yeah. Can't I think, think why people were upset with that. One of the other quotes that really resonated with me was Ted saying, "Hey Laurie, could you turn the alarm to 11 a.m.? I've got a lot of stuff to do tomorrow. <laughs> I want to get up and watch the view." <laughs> yeah. uh, it's Donnie saying to Ted, "I don't know why it makes me laugh, but I'll give you love, rocking horses and dances." And Ted just goes, "We are so far apart." On this. <laughs> yeah. Did you know um, he wasn't supposed to be doing that dance? That was just his own idea. Well, when Tiffany comes on, yeah. No, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, he wasn't supposed to be dancing, and then he did it, and they were like, this is gold. Well, leave this in, obviously. Shaking his hips. <laughs> any more for any more? Uh, the company's turning 20, so you can bang it, but you can't get it drunk. Makes me laugh. <laughs> <laughs> um, when uh, they're in a restaurant, and Warburg farts, and it makes it a way over to those guys. Like, <laughs> oh, who did this to us? God damn it, I'm here on business. <laughs> <laughs> um, I also like um, when they sorry, I've, I've lost what I was going to say sorry I was miles away um, but he says uh, when he says I wish 
I, I think that sometimes I should have got on a Teddy Ruxpin. And he's goes, say that one more time. And he's like, Teddy fucking Ruxpin. <laughs> and this, then they have their little fight. That fight was supposed to be um, paying homage to Peter fighting with a chicken on Family Guy. Ah. I did find the fight scene hilarious in terms yeah. of like moments of scenes that was. Well, yeah, the 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 dropping. <laughs> Why are you crying? <laughs> my, nuts. my dick is smashed by the yeah. TV. <laughs> I don't know what it says about me as a person or my level of intelligence, but in every film that we've watched so far, a, fi- a fight scene that has made it into one of my favourite moments. Yeah, agreed. And I, I'm not sure why. Hilarious, aren't they? They are just if like if it's done. If you, like just the, the ridiculousness that some of them go to is just is amazing, but it makes it in every time. You've got a fight scene going on behind you. No, <laughs> I think my favourite one still is uh, the Dumb and Dumber one. That's going to take some talking. What the Dumb and Dumber fight scene? Yeah, I think my favourite still is the Pineapple Express one in the apartment, where it's, it's just so over the top. When he puts his head through, <laughs> when he puts his head through the plasterboard, it is. <laughs> I was going to say um, recency bias for a film that came out in '99, so I'll take it back. <laughs> Best moment then? What would be your, your favourite moment from uh, Ted? The party scene with Sam Jones. Uh, oh, you know, you guys seem pretty cool. You like to party? Uh, cocaine, right? Come on, dudes! Don't tell me you've never done it before. Well, not, uh, not recently, no. I thought that was just for people in Florida. You better follow me. Come on. Johnny, I'm frightened. I was going to say, that whole like scene is the one for me as well. Yeah, from the moment they get there to when he asks him to do coke and Ted says, I'm, fi- <laughs> I'm frightened. Johnny, I'm frightened. <laughs> Johnny, I'm frightened. <laughs> uh, death to Ming. Yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> Um, Even that, the little fight scene first where Ted's like shaping up to fight this duck. <laughs> fight the duck. <laughs> the duck hammers it. Squaring out, like, looking like he's rolling his hands ready to throw. <laughs> Best side character? Sam Jones. I, I actually went for Rex. Yeah, I do like Rex. He is a, He does play that part well, doesn't he? Which one's Rex? The boss. Creepy boss. Her, her boss. Oh, okay. John McHale. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, I've yeah, only yeah. just read back one of my um, talking points I had for after as where does Joel McHale rank among the best assholes in Hollywood? Which I maybe should have worded better. <laughs> <laughs> he's got he's just got that face in it. And I it don't really does. and I don't mean that in I don't mean that rudely. Like that's not an insult. But if you ask he's him made to a place, out of it, so you can say it's a moneymaker. <laughs> yeah, if you like I don't know I've mentioned it to you byron before but if you've ever seen community for the for the first series especially community boss by the way but for the first series he just plays an asshole who doesn't want to be where he is and he's just he's good in arrested development as well never seen it jason bateman the boy friend of the pod yep yep who who's uh who gives the mvp across both films or in this Uh, for ted uh for ted ted yeah, same. Yeah. If we you say that with, with the sorry. just sorry, just to that whole Sam Jones scene that that kind of contains some of the best quotes in there as well. When he's they're talking about their restaurant, like who can come? And he's like Jews are welcome. And then what, what was this like? well, why would you say it? Of course they are. And they go through this whole room all of it, and he's like, no Mexicans. <laughs> well, he knew who he was talking to. And then, uh, 
And then when he's doing the knife thing, and then he stabs the guy. You never could have trusted me. I'm on drugs. <laughs> if if we go to the categories then, and we'll determine who goes through to the next round here. So, which film did you prefer of the two? Harold and I'll... Kumar. Yeah, I'm, I'm saying Harold and Kumar, but I do. I was, when I watched Ted the first time, when I watched it uh, two days ago. I was, I didn't have high expectations of it, and it did make me laugh more than I expected it to. So, so I texted Byron whilst I was watching it, saying, "Ted, not for me." Really? Um, yeah, I, te- <clears throat> I texted him earlier, and then you get to certain scenes, and you're like, "This is brilliant! I could watch this. I, I could watch this again." Like the little end, the little end scene, which hasn't been referenced yet, but it's a favourite moment when he wakes back up and he pretends <laughs> like, like he's had a stroke, and he's like, "Let me put some of it." You put some of the stuffing in the wrong place, and now I'm <laughs> now there's something something not right. Um, th- that kills me. It just makes. It says a lot that when Mark Wahlberg does think that he's come back with a stroke, and he says, "Can we still be best friends forever?" And <laughs> he just is like, "No," <laughs> quite clearly, because <laughs> he doesn't say yes until he says he's joking, and then suddenly he's not there anymore. <laughs> Well, we lost you then, Keenan. You're back. You did for you did for a second. Sorry, I don't know what what happened. It's all right. We got you. Um. So threw me off the track back there. But, yeah, I'm no. sorry. So rewatchability then. Harold and Kumar gets my vote. What about you two? Yeah. Yeah, for the same reason as with the preference, I feel like if you could have just taken somehow twenty minutes out of Ted. Yeah. Some of the bits are not unneeded. I think it would have been boosted on both fronts. I think it'd be an easier watch. You'd prefer it and it'd be more rewatchable as well. I don't know I if think... you said this about Ted, obviously, when I was away, but the funny, do you know, like we talk about this when a film's too long and what would you cut out? I actually think there's, you could take two minutes here. There's, there's so many different parts you can just cut yeah. bits out. You could take a different 20 minutes out of the film, like each time you try to do it. it, it there's, a lot there's, of flesh. Yeah, 100%. Not even so much um, the length of time. I was going to compare it to Dumb and... Uh, not Dumb and Dumber, to um, La La, but I think Bruce Almost is probably the better comparison where... And the one review said it where there is a period where maybe it's for the good of the film, but it does forget that it's a comedy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so for rewatchability, for the first time around, it might make it a better film. But then the second time around, you know what's happening, so it's not really giving you the same feel. It's not so you would rather just in, keep the laughs pumping. Yeah, it's not as impactful. And let's be honest, with a lot of the films we've chosen, rewatchability comes down to it basically just comes back down to laughs per minute, doesn't it? Yeah. Like if I really want to think critically about something, it's not gonna be Ted that I'm putting on. So I just want to sit down and be entertained for an hour and 45. We need one of those guys that does like uh, a punch count in a, for CompuBox yeah. to do the laugh per minute. The, thi- the thing with it is, and as Keith has just said in there with previous ones we've done as well, we're a little bit like the films that kind of go in the pursuit of storytelling kind of end up being the ones that feel longer and more too. And the ones that, like you said, do just roll with the punches and the story kind of gets dragged along with it, tend to be the ones that we seem to be saying we prefer. I think it's like, if you're going to do it, you've got to do it well. Like, 
a good example, but super bad is longer, but you keep, you have, you maintain the storyline and you also keep the last coming. American Pie, the last keep coming even when you have the down moments for them. Same with 40 year old virgin, probably the worst example you could use there, but some other films we've got on the list, wedding crashes, the last do still keep coming even when it gets emotional. So we've got that there. Sheffield are also one and up against Spurs, so either you wondered. Sheesh. There we go. Um, most quotable. I think I might give the nod to Ted on that. Yeah, Ted. I think he's got a few more. I'm going for Harold and Kumar, but that's why I didn't go first. So there we go. Ted gets the nod there. Give it a little green. There we go. So, um, what about best quote? I think for me, it's the Holocaust. <laughs> you know that I, th- I think Katie that. Holmes is tits. Yeah, I think. So mine is at, mine is still Harold and Kumar, but mine is uh, the things I would eat out of their ass. That statement is vulgar. <laughs> so is our, so is our bang Britney Spears on the bathroom floor. It's also now one <laughs> one one so down point there. Um. So that takes the mustard there. Best moment slash scene. Sam Jones party scene. Yeah, that is that is tough to argue with. I'll, I'll go with that as well. I think. Yeah, yeah. As a whole scene, I think that's the best. I wouldn't argue with it. It wouldn't be my one, but as I said. What would yours be out of interest? What would your probably be? finally get in the White Castle. Okay. Fair. I also do rewatch the Wilson Phillips scene constantly as well. So <laughs> you, you sent it to me the other day. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, that's a good shout. Um, I mean, if I was if like rewatchable wise, if I just had to pick a little clip, I'd happily rewatch the MPH intro over <laughs> and over again because it's fantastic. But I, I, I think the the Sam Jones party edges it. Um, best side character. I think MPH for me. Yeah, yeah, MPH. It was going to take a strong competitor to uh, <laughs> yeah. take take do that. Here. Yeah. He is, in terms of like in terms of real star and stuff. He he enters into the Seth Green Ezekiel echelon. We're <laughs> yeah. talking elite. I was going to say, if Ted wanted a best side character, they should have got Seth Green involved. Yeah, they got yeah. the wrong guys. Spurs goal ruled out. You love to see that. <laughs> Bigger impact. I've just got a question mark in my notes for this. <laughs> I, I'm not like because I, I actually couldn't work it out. I don't really remember. I don't really remember Harold and Kumar having an impact, but I was probably too young. And other than me and my mates wanting to go and see Ted because it was a, it was a kid's toy that swore, um, like and we were like sixteen at this this point, but I just don't, I I don't really remember that having too much of an impact either. I I gave it to Ted, and I think if you look at the box office for 2012, and Ted is in the top ten, it came eighth, and okay. it's only behind. If I give you the the films that came behind, so. The Avengers, Dark Knight Rises, The Hunger Games, Skyfall, 
Twilight Saga, the final one of the series, The Amazing Spider-Man, The Hobbit, it really, outside of them, which it has no right really to come ahead of, no. it's ahead of them, Men in Black 3, Wreck-It Ralph, take, the Taken sequel, 21 Jump Street, Prometheus, Safe House, Magic Mike, Argo, all sorts there. So it clearly did have an impact when you look at. Yeah, I mean, yeah, 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 yeah. I, I don't. I wouldn't. Dis- I won't disagree with you at all. Um, but I just, just don't really remember it. That's fair. I mean, I'm just having a. They did nearly a hundred million more in the box office than Django Unchained. Jeez, that's ludicrous. Yeah. So I mean, yeah. No, I, I do yeah. remember it was, it was big. There are other films in the bracket. You, you were excited to go and see it. Did yeah, that's that's what I mean. I know. I remember my mates, me and my mates, wanting to go and see it. But there are certain films in this that I like. I remember being like cultural phenomenons. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And this, I just there was, yeah. I don't really remember the fanfare. But I, I won't, I won't make any argument against Ted Buxton, not at all. Um. MVP, so it's similar to their side character for some, but who would you give as your MVP of Harold and Kumar? Would it be NPH? Would it be Harold? Would it be Kumar? Would it be White Castle? I don't know. <laughs> We've said it would NPH, be Ted for Ted. So it's essentially who's going up against Ted. It's tough, isn't it? Because Harold and Kumar obviously... They're a great partnership, but on their own, they're not. I don't yeah. think they're MVP candidates. No. They work because they're together. There isn't one. Um, neither one carries the other. They are no. actually like in the review said it's a buddy movie, but it's like it's perfectly a buddy movie because perfect balance. It's a fifty-fifty it? partnership. It's not like no Batman and Robin. Get. No, exactly. It's not where one's carrying the other and you're riding coattails. This is if you take either one of them away. It's just, it doesn't work. No. Well, like the Dudley Boys and Edge and Christian. Which Interest, interesting comparison. I assume Edge is the one that you say carries Christian. In terms of who you remember more so. Yeah, yeah. it's fair. <laughs> Dudley Boys, uh, the Dudley Boys before their Bubba Ray and Reverend Devon and all sorts. So, is Ted taking that or, or would you take NPH over Ted? So, MVP, MVP, I'd take Ted. Yeah, I agree. I think it's hard to look past him. Yeah, a real star of the film, just to make sure he gets all the credit he deserves to the MPH. (laughs) Yeah, fortunately for Ted, that's not a point of consideration there. (laughs) Best soundtrack. Now, this is what I'm passionate about here. The soundtrack for Harold and Kumar. Hold on, Wilson Phillips. You've got Total Eclipse of the Heart in there. You've got Let's Get Retired by the Black Eyed Peas before they yeah. have to change it to Let's Get It Started. Yeah. You've got Riding by Chris Classic, which if you don't recognise that by the name, just search it on Spotify and it's been in just about every comedy of this era that <laughs> comes around, usually for a credit scene. You've got Rock Your Body Mike Check 1 2, what an anthem that was when it came out. <laughs> and you've got that Rocks of the Rhythm song, which is also one which I don't know anything of other than it being in films. And you have a little nod to your head while that's on. Comparing to Ted, you do have, you've got Staying Alive in there, you've got I Think We're Alone Now and Kiss Kiss by Chris Brown, but pales in comparison. Flash by Queen. 
obviously. Yeah. Um, that's won by Queen. Um, nor, not that I don't think this will quite enter your consideration, Byron, but Nora Jones, they drop a couple of her numbers before she's actually in the film. Um, yeah, into give her a props, but... oh, I still think it's Harold and Kumar. Um, but I just, just so just to even out the score, so we're not being biased. On another day, I might have opened the pod singing, hold on. <laughs> I'm glad we didn't. <laughs> TK, what would your vote yeah, be behind? I, I agree with you. I think Harold and Kumar has to get a nod, doesn't it? More of a depth. Yeah. Tell us some tunes in there, but a few more of them in Harold and Kumar. For the ending, I would go Harold and Kumar, even based on what we said earlier with how it compares to other endings in the films that we've discussed. The Todd also, one, it's kind of it's not what we're looking for. It might be a good ending in terms of predictability and feel good, but I feel better about them getting their burgers than Ted coming back to life. It says a lot about you. <laughs> I also like uh, as they come back. Obviously, he finally he finally makes some some headway or such makes a bit of success with Maria and then these yeah. then they set up right we're going to Amsterdam even if you you know that they're going to you know that that's where they're trying to make a sequel obviously the sequel turns out to be so much better than them going yeah. to Amsterdam but you know right as soon as he says you know what's legal in Amsterdam right the next film's going to start with them yeah 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 it's, it's uh, a... I love that in a sequel where it's literally they back to back it like, you yeah. don't give me five years later. Give me straight after, like a TV episode. I know yeah, not, that's true. I know it's not a comedy or anything, but it's also one of <clears throat> it's one of the things I love about John Wick um, and those three films. Are they essentially take place in like ten days? <laughs> it's, it's it's a nice way to do it. I've actually only seen the first. Mate, watch two and three. So good. Don't ask TK his opinion on John Wick. You won't like it. He, he don't want this work. <laughs> <laughs> I will say on the record that I preferred the Equaliser to John Wick, and I did watch them in consecutive days, so you're a drama to there. <laughs> hey, if you match Denzel and Keanu, I know who I'm taking. Yeah, but if you match John Wick and the Equaliser, I know who I'm taking. And it's not the Equaliser. Mm. John Wick gets smoked by Ethan Hunt from Mission Impossible, so... John Wick does pieces, mate. Don't worry, <laughs> Don't worry about that. Hey, maybe action movies will be our next uh, next season of Movie Madness. God, I hope so. Maybe we'll do rom coms. I'm also keen. I'm <laughs> a sucker for. I'm a, I don't think you're ready for me in rom coms. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> I, I did say that um, Friends of Benefits actually depressed me because Mila Kunis in her peak there was almost too perfect that it did ruin the film. But you're not going to reach those levels. <laughs> Justin Timberlake's a sweetheart as well. Justin Timberlake is a sweetheart. Justin Timberlake's a sweetheart in everything he appears in. Yeah. I had a little lesson to Senorita the other day, the, the little, uh, where he's giving it. Fellas, good night, ladies. <laughs> good morning. <laughs> Even just the, the little back and forth. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to do it. His voice goes too high. <laughs> uh, finally, then, chemistry. Are you taking the chemistry? Harold and Kumar, you're taking the chemistry of Mark Wahlberg and Ted. Both are pretty good, but like, yeah. we've, like we've just said two minutes, two or two minutes ago, I, I think I've got to now award it to Howard, uh, 
Harold, Harold and Kumar um, on the basis that I think they are perfect blend and it is like completely 50-50. I thought there was an argument for both being similar levels of chemistry. I'm not sure. Yeah, I think it's easier to have chemistry with a stuffed bear. And so I added that I thought the chemistry of Goldstein and Rosenberg, who initially the sequel, they planned, like when they're planning way in advance, the sequel was going to follow those two rather than Harold and Kumar. It just turns out Harold and Kumar were so likable. And obviously the film went really well in their direction. They did that, and probably you would assume they would plan another low budget one yeah. for the, the sequel, and that would have worked with those two. But they made enough money, even that once you've made your money, you don't, you're never going to walk away from that. So the, the budget for all three is actually the exact same, just the expectations of what they wanted back and how much of that budget went into uh, the wages and things. Wages, I've been paying for a manager. Just changed, so yeah, I wonder how much um, animated series back in 2012, Adult Swim, who I think are notorious for the amount of announced projects they have, which you then just hear nothing about. But they got to the point where they were having table reads and things for a full animated series. It just you just never heard anything of it. Did I not read? Or did you? Maybe it was you who told me. Maybe a few months ago, they're both open to trying to do number four. They've both said it previously. Like Whenever they get asked in an interview, they'll say, hey, look, if they want to have a script and they say that look, there's a script there to be done, but never get made. No, it'd be nice. I'd, like, I'd, I'd, I, can't, I can't really remember the third one. I know it's got something to do with a Russian... With like a Russian... It's, it's Christmas, essentially, so... I yeah, always... I know it's got something to do with a Russian mob boss, but I can't really remember it. Yeah, it's... Harold essentially trying to impress Maria's parents, who is uh, Danny Trejo. Okay. But I think I forget each time and wind up Googling, is there going to be a fourth Harold and Kumar? And then the exact same happens again, where I'll go down the spiral. Well, they were going to do this, that, and it never happened. So So if they do, I, I don't mind the fact that they didn't rush a fourth one out. Like I said, I can't really remember the third one, but the first two I think are I think are great. Yeah, um, I think and I'd rather I wait for the right script. Yeah, then just not I wait won't for the cut money. Cut you off here, but I think the way this is looking, we're going to have Harold and Kumar in the next round, so we're going to do something on sequels. There, I'm still putting together oh, okay. the four, yeah, yeah. four, but yeah, we're going to do something to do with the sequels and whether the sequel or lack thereof enhances the brand or works against it so that's a topic for us to get into then but TK what what would your vote be for Harold and Kumar or Ted in terms of chemistry uh, yeah as you said I'd give the nod to Harold and Kumar just because I think it, it works based on that chemistry but I think the reason I actually did quite enjoy Ted but I wasn't expecting it to was I do think the interaction between Ted and Mark Wahlberg works really well Yeah, I was cautious thinking how the hell is, a, is an animated thing going to work with Normal I've kind of you, you tend to think it's either animated or it's not for me. And well, mixing the two, I'm not really did, sure, but it worked well. They actually put a bear in the shot, and they did it through stop motion. And so you did, you just had the bear in the shot, and Seth MacFarlane voicing it. So yeah. it wasn't like he was talking to nobody there, and they got dubbed it. it in after. So yeah, 
and it's not like it was just like a recording of them playing back. They did have the two of them there, so they could at least kind of bounce off. So, yeah, energy. yeah. So I think Harold and Kumar takes that. So it's 8-4 in favour of uh, Harold and Kumar. So pretty Fair close, enough. but pulled away at the end. We've got some points to consider before we uh, call, it, call it a day. I think Keenan also has done well to survive the storm there because we, we did wonder if he was going to be overran earlier in the episode, <laughs> but thankfully we've, we've managed to keep him for the duration and he still made less noise than Sean did last week, so pat yourself on the back there, Keenan. <laughs> Says something. I says a bit about Sean when I've got a three-year-old running around my garden. <laughs> <laughs> well, TK had a three-year-old running around his upstairs. Just hit with Sean. <laughs> <laughs> so, real star of the film then. For Harold and Kumar, NPH is the overriding. But Harold and Kumar themselves as a duo, as we kind of mentioned, they are the star kind of as a force rather than any one of them individually. Most definitely. And then Ted is Ted, as we've said. Although I'm not sure who else could have done the job better than Mark Wahlberg, which when I came to recasting, I didn't even consider a replacement for him because I didn't see who else could have done it. No, true. In terms of recasting, though, I do have some suggestions. Not sure how well they'll be taken but we'll go from right. there so you said you were proud of him earlier so we are yeah <laughs> I, am. I am i really am actually so first of all my recast was for freak show and wow <laughs> steve buscemi was going to be my casting here <laughs> is that harsh or can you see that oh i thought you were going to elaborate when you, you said wood um, well, uh, he he does it he does it in adam sandler films essentially where he is in as a freak show, just less so. So it's true. A bit of makeup true. on him to accentuate it, and I think he could do a good job. And he's got a better voice for it as well. Yeah, I can I can never get past Reservoir Dogs with Steve Buscemi. <laughs> I was late to seeing that, so it probably does help. Oh, okay, no, I love that film. So I, I always that's what he, whenever I see him on screen, that's what it reminds me of straight away. My other recasting was actually for the kids selling weed in the uh, college. Yeah. And I have three suggestions here, and I've got this kind of a more obvious intermediate and if you want to push the boundaries. But so, Jay Baruchel, who I knew that was, I knew that was going to be one of yours. I wanted, <laughs> I, wanted to, I, wanted to, I wanted to say, can I have a guess at one? And that would have been my guess. Hey, I feel like when we speak about some of these guys sometimes and we feel they don't get their credit, then it's our duty to try and find them some work. So, in the future, when these remakes do happen, and we can go like the Irishman style and give the like aging <laughs> thing a rewind, that could be he could be the guy. He might be a bit too tall though to be uh, kind of as as weedy there. My intermediate one was actually um, Zach Braff. If you could make him look a bit younger, so okay. not as many miles on the clock as he's got in Scrubs, but give him a bit more low brav and I think he could fit that role nicely okay and you're out of the box one Elijah Wood <laughs> I actually like that I like that the most but just yeah. 
like Green Street, Elijah, Elijah Wood. Just as he is there, just chuck him in, have him well, proper he's, fresh he's pace. Got, he's, he's got like a yeah, he's got a vulnerable face, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. You can see him just, getting picked on a little bit, but the kid is. I don't know, likable isn't the right word, but you don't hate him, which is important for that role. You don't. You kind of feel a bit sorry for him. Yeah. Which is kind of the key to Green Street, really, until the end, where you do maybe want to see him get shooed in a bit. <laughs> I'm also the only one who I've not watched it back in years that didn't hate Charlie Hunnam's accent in that. And I may need to rewatch it because any it's Google all, of it terrible. is like crucified. Yeah, it is really bad. But you I can used get to have it ground down on. Um, do you know the the little iPod, the one that was like a little rounded out rectangle? So it was the wider yeah. one. I can't think what it was called. But I had Green Street downloaded from YouTube where it was in like 12 clips on that. Just to be <laughs> sharing headphones with someone watching a French lesson or something <laughs> with them shouting at each other over the platform. Mm. Um, and I didn't hate it then. No, it's, uh, it's not great, but where I don't know whether it's because he's moved about so much, but his his accent is just such a mix of it so makes many no sense, things. does it? I've heard him talk, <laughs> yeah. and I was like, I have no idea what this is. Like he's he's from he, I think he's he's from Newcastle, and he's just like you can hear a little bit of that. He sounds a little American, a little Australian. I don't know where he's cause where he's travelled or what, but he or he's committed to some role somewhere, but he's just kept it. It's it's really odd. It's so all where, so uh, where is he actually from? Sorry. Charlie Umman, he's from up north, mate. I think he's, um, I think he's from Newcastle. Like, New, New he's like American because of the way he's crucified for his accent. Well, that's it. Whether he's obviously, like Keenan said, moves around and lives over there, whether he's picked up any of that accent as he well, made I, his, don't, um, I don't know. He made, his start, he made his start in biker growth, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I reckon he deserves a bit more slap, though, because I can see it should be easier to recreate, to do the accent if you're American, then if you're up north, that's hard to get out of that accent. I mean, we're saying it earlier. One, he's an actor. Two, playing a role that is invariably Cockney. I mean, there's no getting out of it. It has to be. Hey, TK, we're in the business now. We're like uh, Peter Walton here. So we've got to give these people a bit of slack. We'll defend it no matter what. um... This is going to be a, a bit of an odd reference for you. But I've been watching Love Island Australia and a bloke's gone in who looks quite a lot like him. And you he's got a son. With, watching out with your missus? No, no. Wow. Unless Sean's with me. Yeah, going to say t- two blokes, so it doesn't look good. No, no, I'm not making I'm not making any statement. I was just asking. Nice. No, no, no. Dr. Keenan's just said he'll go to war for a rom-com a second ago. Yeah. <laughs> Mate, this guy's dead. gone in who does look a bit like him with Sons of Anarchy tattooed a lot. And one girl has actually been convinced that it actually is Charlie Hummer. It's like, why would he ever be in the... But she's actually thinking, yeah, no. And he's denying it. She's like, yeah, he's denying it, but it's, it's definitely him, isn't it? <laughs> no, it's I'd not. Love it if you had some like non-league, non-league like NRL players going in over there, like you have the equivalent over here, like, you know, I'm semi-pro footballer. So. I think one guy has tried claiming he's a rugby player, but there you go. <laughs> um, my casting for Ted then. I... The obvious ones are to replace Tammy Lynn because it, some of them aren't really hard to replace. Like you can't really replace Flash Gordon. I was trying to see if there was equipment <laughs> that you could do, but I couldn't find one. Um, I thought I don't know if any of you have seen Don John. 
don't yeah. really watch it if, if you have. But I thought you could put Scarlett Johansson's role from that in as Tammy Lynn. Okay. No, I've not okay. seen it. I know, know she's in it. But I was trying one. to figure someone to replace Donnie. I thought you could do someone else in there. I actually, my other suggestion for Tammy Lynn was um, Rachel McAdams. Yeah, I like yeah, your I like thinking. That. And then I, was, I felt a bit obvious saying that you could replace um, Rex with Jeremy Piven. Yeah, essentially yeah. all of the people yeah. that are cast as like asshole bosses don't have the sleaziness to them, so they're they're someone like I don't know, someone like Joe Pesci is on the list of people who on IMDb are like. Notorious jerks, as they say in America. Yeah, fit the yeah. role as being cracking on me, the Kunis. Then no, Joe Pesci, Joe Pesci definitely can't do that. Joe <laughs> um, Pesci would have secured cheeks. <laughs> <laughs> ben Stiller can do the arrogance. Yeah, he, he pre- a, he's good looking enough to get away with it. Like being arrogant is part of it, but you need to. They need to be a good looking bloke. Like being able to act arrogant is fine, but if you look, if you don't look like you're on a level close to sort of Mia Kunis, you're going nowhere. It just takes you out of it. So Ben Stiller could get Ben Stiller. Could he should it. thank us here. The amount of work we're sending his way <laughs> is something <laughs> else. I somehow think he's all right, mate. Um, I don't think he's doing okay on his own. Um. I- Donnie, now that TK said it, I didn't really consider it earlier, but I'm trying to think if there's anyone that springs to mind. It's just yeah, a little he, bit he of an was someone that did like bits and pieces of acting beforehand. Like I think his mum was an acting coach, and so he's been acting since he was like a kid. But yeah, he really picked up work after this just for showing that he'd be a creep. He got that uh... sneaky Pete. Yeah. And he got the show, yeah, that, and, he, and he got it to be in Gangster Squad after that. So he got quite a lot of work just from this film. From being a creepy dude. Yeah. Here's a question: Was Ted Mila Kunis's peak? And I don't mean like the, her best work, but was this at the peak of Mila Kunis being Mila Kunis? Yeah. Yeah, you could be right. Because you could after be right. this, she's gone to do The Color of Time, which I can't say I've seen. Uh, guest in Two and a Half Men, as you and Ashton Kutcher called in a favour. Jupiter <laughs> Ascending, where she played some kind of elf or something. And the Bad Mum's Christmas, first one was good. Second one, Keenan took a cigarette break in the cinema. So just <laughs> make of that That's, that's actually <laughs> true. It's the, only, it's the only film, me and Byron went to watch it, and it's the only film I ever walked out of. This um, is the man who loves a rom com, as he said. That's Even worse, that her bloke in that film looks like a stretched out Alexis Sanchez. Uh, that's <laughs> neither, it's, it's neither that funny nor that romantic first um, one was good first one's great and then other than that she's just doing Family Guys still she's done an episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm I think Spy it's one of them me. and I don't know it's why he dumped me with Melissa McCartney isn't it? yeah yeah but I think a lot of it was her and Ashton Kutcher had kids not long after this didn't they and yeah, they both they, well she does like a lot of his like social justice work and that's yeah. a rare time where you hear the phrase without it being like to offend someone like he actually does put in work yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Like, he's he's trying to change the world him and Akon yeah. are actually trying to change the world um, 
Like, the I open one, I'm never sure because I hear about all these billions he's dishing out, and I don't know where it's coming from. <laughs> Didn't he say he's making, he's putting his face on the currency of this village he's building as well? <laughs> I don't Which know. Which is a small price to pay, I suppose, if you're putting on electricity. Yeah, you put up with it. There you go. Um, but I don't like. I do think this was. I feel like there was a while this friend with benefits, and when she was in Family Guy, where she was. Um, bad months like for two or three years she was like massive wasn't she yeah like well, we we had um, the calendar up in the office when we worked together yeah yeah that's right Goff brought in yeah um, she for a while if, I don't know when the, the transition was because late like 2000s, early 2010s, like Megan Fox was like the go to. I was about to say Megan Fox. She was on that sort of trend, wasn't she? That sort of curve. There seems to be a point where I think over here, like early 2000s, it was like Cheryl Cole, where there's someone where you make the description of someone, so obviously she's not such and such. Yes. And like they're the obvious pick. And then it went to Megan Fox. And then it probably did go to Mila Kunis. And then now it's probably. Was M. Ratiowski for a brief period. Margot Demi Robbie. Rose weirdly became one. Yeah, Margot Robbie in between. And Demi Rose became one who referenced in tracks on both sides. So, there really is the. Uh, there's your power rankings. Maybe that'll be our next bracket. I don't know if we can get away with that in this day and age. But I'm, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not saying I'm against Maybe that. we should have started with that. Yeah. <laughs> Although some of the some of the people, in the nicest way possible, don't you, say it. You not you don't want to see their films. Yeah. Well, they said about like they said in that New York Post thing. They're there to be admired, not not to hear from in the film. And yeah, you look at that Tammy Lynn. I looked at her acting career afterwards. Didn't really <laughs> blow up. She was still cast as like waitress. Air hostess, pilot with a name or whatever. Yeah, just goes from there. We've had some good little tangents today. We really have. Um, if the cast swapped, which film works best? This is a wild one. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Wahlberg and Tay could could go on Harold and Kumar's little adventure. <laughs> I'm not sure you want Mark Wahlberg in a film about racial stereotypes, <laughs> allegedly. What do you mean, allegedly? He was charged. I say, I don't think there's much alleged on his one, is there? Yeah. You only I need mean, to say allegedly if it's not been proven, as in it's still an accusation. Of all the slurs we've thrown out on here, I think that one's one of your safer ones. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he was. I think after the, the smoke that came me and Rory's way, I'm just being overcharged. <laughs> that wasn't the photo um, I mean, you don't really have the facilities to do Harold, to do Harold and Kumar with the cast of Ted, whereas you can do Ted with the cast of Harold and Kumar. <laughs> See, I don't think I don't know if I'd want either of them. I no offense to Cal Penn and John Cho, but I don't know if I'd want either of them to be Ted. Like the fact that they both smoke weed means you could put Cal Penn. As he's always out of those two in that film, excuse me, 
he's the big, biggest sort of level we'll of have you could put well. him in. Siamese twins, and then we'll have Tad as well. So we can have the duo. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. As you I, do. I, 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 I'm okay <laughs> that with would that. be a hell of a film. <laughs> yeah. I think there's a few there's a few things that come to my mind as to why they can't be Siamese twins. <laughs> um, or twins, uh, twins in general. <laughs> and this is Hollywood, um, baby. Yeah, I suppose we can work some magic. Um, I did, the supporting cast. Well, I quite like to. I would quite like to see. I know he's in both films, but I'd take away MPH and give Ryan Reynolds that, and let him run wild with that. I think would be yeah. amazing. Just from like him being on Twitter, and he just seemed and like him as Deadpool and stuff. He yeah. seemed game <laughs> for, for anything. Like, yeah. Just say to him, look, we're going to give you five minutes just to be. This is this is the basic pitch. You've got to fill these five minutes. Have well, at it. it. We'll see if we like it. It can go two ways, can't it, in Hollywood, where you see some actors where they get shacked up, so they, they secure their wife or husband, however they want to do it, and then they've got enough money in the bank where they don't need to take roles they don't want to do. And so yeah. some of them take that as, right, well, now I literally can do whatever I want because you know, if I'm cancelled, I've got all this money in the bank. Yeah, I don't need to do anything I don't want to do. And then it can go the other way where they just don't want to do anything remotely ever. What they specifically choose to do for the money reasons or whatever. And you, become, you, become the funny. Right way. you become funny or you become serious, don't you? Yeah. So and watch. John Cho, I think, does want to be serious. We have yes. this chat with JB also. Yeah, I, th- I think you become funny or you become serious. And there's nothing wrong with, with either. Like it's, it's up to you. I, I think with some people, like De Niro was doing comedies and they were like, why? And he just said, well, because I can. Why, like, why not? Um, I wish someone had the opposite chat with Al Pacino because some of his comedies... <laughs> Al Pacino. What I like about Al Pacino is, do you know they asked, they gave him, they asked him a question in an interview once, and they were just like, Al. Also, just before I say the question, the absolute bollocks on this interviewer to ask Al Pacino this. I definitely <laughs> when he went, he just went, Al, you've just been in a run of mediocre to not good films, <laughs> um, and they were like, why, why is that? You're like, you're, they were like, you're still Al Pacino, you know, like you can, if you say you want something, no one's really going to say no. And he said, well. I, th- I think it's my, it's my favourite challenge is to try and take something that's not good or okay and improve it. So I think it's harder to do that than to go into a blockbuster <laughs> and give it. It didn't work with Justin Gill. No, exactly. Like I know it doesn't always work. They referenced it Ted, don't they? <laughs> yeah, I've got that. Yeah. Since <laughs> we've referenced it, I'd never yeah. really laughed at that line before. I watched it today just solely for the fact that we've referenced it on the pod like four or five times, yeah. and him calling was- it unwatchable. I don't know why I didn't take it down. There was one of the reviews said um, something along the lines of a paraphrase. It says, Seth MacFarlane takes a shot in this film about an Adam Sandler movie. Um, and it essentially says, which is a bold move on his part because you take the stuff there out of this and he's essentially made a dodgy Adam Sandler movie. Fair. And it lists off like poor scripts, obvious jokes such and such <laughs> so I don't think they were a Sandler fan either they just didn't like Seth MacFarlane taking a shot at Adam Sandler like it was his little brother yeah again in terms of like Adam Sandler we, we say it all the time but it's just so true he's, he's made enough even we can't defend Jack and Jill I, do you know I've never <laughs> watched it I've never watched it in its entirety I thought it was that bad I turned it off 
I'm quite excited for at the end of this series we do do the pod on bad films because we may actually have more to talk about than with some of this. Yeah. And the one I've sent you is honestly a, a belter if we do that one. Yeah, I don't, I'm, I'm game on that one. Last couple of questions then. So, if you add Vince Vaughn and Owen Wilson, does the movie improve? We usually do have the set answer for this. <laughs> and it's more, where can we squeeze them into the film? Listen, if you put them in as Goldstein and what's his say, I've, I think you could still have a very good film there. I had them as uh, the two guys that fob off their work to Harold. That would be great. Yeah, yeah. I, I like your thinking. Yeah, and in I know. Ted, I had Owen Wilson as supermarket boss. <laughs> we also work as this Mark Wahlberg's boss, so you can have either one there. And I had Vince Vaughn as Rex. Feel harsh for someone that rolls we give to Vince Vaughn, where essentially any slightly likable asshole we pass him as. <laughs> so I, he would I, play that role very well. I like Patrick Warburton in this film, and I don't know whether it's just because they're both really—they're both tall and they're big both guys, big, big, bigger, imposing blokes. But I would—I would swap Patrick Warburton out for Vince Vaughn. Yeah, I can. No, I can see no that. disrespect to Patrick Warburton. If anyone ever listens to these, they'll realise how much I love Vince Vaughn, and I just think he does a better job. This is an entirely unrelated question. Do you know how tall Peter Jones is from Dragon's Den? Six five. Tall people. Six eight. I could see him shake their hands, and I think you are absolutely massive. <laughs> I don't. Six five. Yeah. Just... Who would win in a fight, Vince Vaughn or Peter Jones? Peter don't need that work. Vince <laughs> <laughs> yeah, got the it... heart for it anymore. <laughs> maybe, maybe Vince has gone soft with the money, but he was raised on them streets. <laughs> I don't know that Peter Jones wasn't, to be honest. Um, <laughs> I... He's a dragon. Come on. You know, like in a boxing ring, they always say it's hard to train with silk pajamas on. You'd just be saying about both of them. It's like, who, <laughs> yeah. who has managed to get themselves up for just one more? <laughs> who, who, who's master that press conference, though? I'm down to my last 20p. <laughs> All of a sudden, I turned it into 10 million. Duncan Ballantyne would gatecrash the, the presser. It's like, <laughs> you're a disgrace. Duncan Ballantyne works and both over. <laughs> he Plenty. really was. He really was raised on them streets. They don't want. Yeah, they don't want, they don't want to roll around with Dunk. No. <laughs> um, okay, so I had a couple more questions, which don't really need long answers. But do you need to smoke weed to enjoy stoner comedies? I think we kind of answered the question here. No, the fact that we appreciate them, we appreciate them every I mean, week. We're very keen on smoking on podcasts before. He's not it's on not, video, so. <laughs> It's not weed though. Um, <laughs> spoke about oh, Spider Man as well. About spoke about Mary Jane. Okay. <laughs> Fuck's sake. That's very good from you. <laughs> it's not often I like what you say, but that's very, very good. <laughs> One, my main gripe with Ted Just why quickly. are American stadiums always so easy to break into? It happens in so many <laughs> American films. They just waltz in the middle of the night and it's just sound. Yeah. Yeah, mental. This is like Fenway Park as well. It's not yeah, I was going to say, it's not a low-key venue. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not the miners. They, they stroll in. They go big on that. <laughs> I'm sure, it goes way back. I'm sure it happens in um, Dirty Harry. There's just a off-point where he's figuring out where a body is and he's just waltzing through a stadium. Yeah, so yeah. And now they always just get in there. I always <laughs> like the fact that, that if you ever, not that they come into it in this, but normally in certain films, 
there's just one bloke who's doing the security. <laughs> like, it's Fenway Park. You have to imagine, I'm not a great one for baseball, but I imagine some of that Red Sox memorabilia is worth a fair bit. And you've just, and got, just one, got one guy working a shift. One slightly, one slightly overweight bloke, um, w- w- like, just, work, just working on his own. <laughs> if he was there, he would have happened to be Ted's biggest fan, even more so than the guy who's kidnapped him to let him into the stadium. Yeah. That's just how the film would work. Yeah. Um, yeah, my other question, as I said, was about Joe McHale, which I don't need to repeat that question. So, Rex Ryan Hall of Fame, then. How many are we inducting this week? Does Flash Gordon get in? Hmm. Um, I don't know if the kind of role that he is made for this category. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if the fact that he comes back at the end, I don't like because he's different. I think it's screen time more than scenes, isn't it? Is he's about as it. relevant as Bob Barker in <laughs> Gilmore. So yeah, it's the don't same kind of level. Don't say that to me. I said no to Bob Barker. But you also said yes to Mia Suvari in the Leslie Mann Hall of Fame, and she was since removed by who? Us. I did not consent to that either. We replaced her, remember? With yeah. Jessica. No, we didn't. Don't stop that <laughs> nonsense did. now. T- even <laughs> TK, TK was on my side for that. And he no, said, wasn't. No. Sean was. That's, all right. Well, I knew someone was. Well, if it's T2, you can't make the decision, can you? <laughs> <laughs> TK was the, the main driving force behind her being in the LSF. Uh, he also loves Love Island Australia. Natasha, to make it really well. uh, uh, Jessica, sorry, from American Pie. Hey, look, with, with the way the uh, the Hall of Fame was set at that point, I thought she was a prime candidate. I thought she was she that borderline sort of pick. But, hey, look. Borderline. I don't know what line we're looking at. <laughs> right. Hey, look, it's a distant line. line with us, I'll be honest. <laughs> it's, it's a faint line. It's more of a curve <laughs> at this point yes. than a line, let's be honest. Cause <laughs> it, goes up, it goes up and down. Um, it, can, it does fluctuate. Flash Gordon, I, I, I wouldn't mind... Um, Anthony Anderson goes on to be quite a big star. I've, my mind's gone blank. You'll have to tell me who that is. Uh, the black guy in the takeaway in the takeaway restaurant who threatens to burn the restaurant down. Ooh. And he, he's in Kangaroo Jack. Went on to be in Blackish. <laughs> what film? Um, a couple of other things that don't come straight to my mind. If you Google him, you'll know exactly who he is. Yeah, no, I know you mean that. I think it's harsh that we can't have NPH in here. If you're putting Flash Gordon in, there's NPH. NPH's screen time can only be a minute or two more. Hey, look, I'd be all for putting both in. Yeah, I I would take them as, I. no offence to Anthony Anderson, but if you're taking one from each film, then NPH gets the nod for me. I think we even put Ryan Reynolds in as a two-time Rex Ryan Hall of Famer. Oh, I forgot about him. Yeah. Two-time? Yeah, I could put, we could put Ryan Reynolds in. Stacked week. I, th- I think Ryan Reynolds is a... I don't think you debate it. I think he's... He fits yeah. the bill perfectly. I was going to say, he's actually the prime candidate just because yeah. he's in so, both films so, I th- so I think the other two were in maybe just a tiny bit too much. Well, not even necessarily how much they're in, just I think they do have a significant enough role. Like, whereas, like, Rex Ryan, Ryan Reynolds, they could not be in it, and there would be no impact. It's just <laughs> funny that they're there. 
Rex Ryan, not true, because he wins the money at the end to keep him out of prison. No, that what that is true. Park? There is, but you know what I mean. That that's yeah, stock. No, I know. He, you could that, that that could literally be anyone. Yeah, and yeah, it yeah. No, it doesn't change anything. Whereas if you take MPA M, MPH out, it does change it. And if you take um, Flash Gordon out, as we as we've just said with the casting changes, you can't really change it and keep the same the, the same thing. No. It really does say a lot that one Hall of Fame with no real parameters as to what we meant wasn't enough. And so we added a second <laughs> in which we also don't know what the rules are. <laughs> but it's, ju- it's just an extra it's just a talking point. And it gives yeah. it it's, it's quite funny. Or it makes me laugh when we try and work out what we're trying to do. Hey, the LM- the LMHOF is building as well, so there we go. Cindy Kim, I'm sorry. Try my best. That just about does us for this week. Harold and Kumar goes through to the next round. And next week, we will find out who its opponent will be in the second round. As we are going for 21 Jump Street, another film from the power class of 2012, up against 2008's Step Brothers, one of the early favourites to go all the way. Another big, it's a tricky first round matchup. That really of, is. It's a clash of two big years as well. It is. We've got star power here as well. We've got star power there. We've got Jonah Hill. We've got Channing Tatum. Will Ferrell. John C. Riley. Don't mean to be harsh. John C. Riley probably is. <laughs> I was just going to say, I, I don't, don't think three. he quite falls into to that bracket. Hey, he does well on the coattails of Will Ferrell here. He's probably the best actor. Jonah Hill, come on. No, no, like as an, as an actual actor, you've got to give that to John C. Riley. Right? I've never heard that argument about John C. Riley. Yeah, but you, if you put him up against DiCaprio, the answer is no, but you've just given me Will Ferrell, Channing Tatum, and Jonah Hill. <laughs> so, all horses for courses, mate. I mean, we'll save it for next week, but I think he's bottom two rather than top two on that list. Is Will Ferrell a great actor? I didn't Wait. have him. Uh, as an actual like he's brilliant and I absolutely I, I adore the book and I, some of his films are some of my favourite but as an actual actor oh, I, I didn't have him down as a great actor but okay. maybe I'm Channing. giving uh, Channing Tatum some credit there but there we go anyway that does us for this week that was a belter two hours five minutes I need to get into we'll be back adios